Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I am James. And this week we are talking about season one, episode five, Hurricane. When a major hurricane strikes Capeside, all the principal characters take refuge in the Leary home, including Joey's very pregnant older sister, Bessie, and her boyfriend. This is where Jen's overly religious grandmother also does not hide her bigotry towards them. Also, Dawson rages at Jen about her past and at Joey for not confiding in him about her mother's philandering. But when Mitch learns about Gail's affair, he angrily storms out of the house, leaving a tormented Dawson to deal with the fallout. Meanwhile, Pacey takes shelter at Tamara's beach house with his brother Doug, a local policeman, where he ruins his brother's chance to hook up with Tamara by secretly telling her that Doug is gay. This episode was released on February 17th, 1998, and if this show couldn't get more problematic and shitty, this episode somehow found a way to do that. Um, What did you guys think of your watch, Stella? I loved this episode so much um i don't have i don't have words uh cody and i watched it i think the right after we recorded the last one and i do think i maybe was like kind of stoned but (laughs) i just remember laughing like so much and just being in shock every step of the way it was unreal it felt unreal yeah it felt like a fever dream yeah. Like re when yeah. I watched it, I watched it a couple days later after seeing everybody's reaction to this. I think everybody watched it that about that same timing. Mm-hmm. And um, wow, it is psychotic is I think the best <laughs> word to describe Chaotic. this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely insane. <sighs> yeah. It's everything and more. I, when I watch a television program, and it ends up being something that is very ridiculous, a certain episode, I will actively look for a podcast or something to, you know, touch on it. And I feel like if this show gets any wilder, this won't be that episode. But if this is the wild, like, I imagine people are going to be coming back to be like, what do people think of this? Yeah. Uh, Because as an episode, F minus. As entertainment goes, A plus, 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 plus. Uh, Every second that went by... My eyes melted, my ears burned, <laughs> and I could not believe what was going through my brain. I feel like Cody and I were just like screaming throughout <laughs> the whole episode, just in disbelief. It's a good mess. It's a hurricane, if you will. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it started I see out what you feeling like it was going to be so like a cozy, you know, it's like <laughs> a snow day. They're all, everyone's mm-hmm. in, in the house and you could just tell her there's going to be a lot of, we're going to be a lot of like good interactions. So it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, when Joey, you know, stepped out the window and said, your life's going to be a hurricane. Right. <laughs> it sure was. Yeah, it felt like it was going to be like a cozy mystery. Yeah. Like it could have been a whodunit at any point in time. It also could have been a horror movie at multiple <laughs> points in time. I mean, there was soap opera elements there. It, they, this episode really has it all. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait to get into it and talk about this episode. It's just it's just a crazy one. Yeah, a few episodes we had talked about how we wish there was uh, 
there was an episode that would have all the characters being forced to yeah. interact with yes. one another, so we would get kind of an idea of who they are. And I guess this is it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> minus Pacey, because even this show realizes that he's in a different world. But uh, loved, 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 loved these interactions. They were absurd. Uh, sometimes didn't even feel like the same characters that we've been no. introduced to. Loving it. It's great. I hope this, I hope the trajectory of the show means that this isn't even the wildest episode. Like I want this show to continue to be this weird and this bad forever. I agree. It just yeah. heightened. It just kept going, you know, it kept being like, okay, let's get all these characters in the same room. How can everything go crazy from this point on? Okay, well let's make uh Graham's a, a crazy racist. How about that? That'll be good. You know, like it just, it, it was great. I, I think my only issue really was that Pacey, yet again, was isolated from the rest of the drama and the rest of the narrative because, as we've talked about over and over again, who the fuck is this character and why is he in this show? <laughs> he feels so disconnected. All he wants to do is have sex with his old older lady teacher. Um, and, you know... Does he have interests? Um, I don't think so. Okay. What an episode. Anybody want, have anything that they want to talk about before we get into the scene by scene or should we just dive into the episode? We probably should just dive dive on in all right well cody take us away the opening teaser scene catches dawson and joey in the middle of a disaster movie marathon while swapping to a new movie they catch dawson's mom and her co-anchor slash extramarital lover bob reporting of a hurricane coming through town and that classes are going to be canceled dawson here admits that he hasn't told his mom that he knows of her affair and expresses that he feels as though this hurricane has hit the pause button on his life um, I thought it was really disgusting that it was so like blatantly obvious, uh, like how Gail and Bob were flirting on TV. Right? We're talking about bet, like staying in bed. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Ooh, like yeah. I can't remember what they said, but tomorrow would be the perfect day to stay in bed all day. Yeah. Right, Bob. And Bob's like, yeah, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. But if Dustin like sees that he's like, could they be any more obvious? Right. And it's like, Okay. That's, yeah. Were what those are, studio notes? Do you think that the producers were like, okay, yeah, the news is pretty boring. Nobody's tuning in anymore. Can we get some sexual tension going on? <laughs> Bob, Gail, try to fuck each other a little bit. <laughs> like, wh how didn't the producers be like, okay, let's do one more take of that one. Try not to be <laughs> so horny. It's the news, baby. It's live. Yeah. I was excited to hear that Twister was included in their disaster yeah. movie seance. Anybody else uh, obsessed with Twister? Love As, Twister. Oh, never God, saw I watched it, it oh. so many times. Shame. So you never yeah. seen it? I never saw oh, it. Oh my! Okay. I remember oh. it being on TV and being like, "It's yeah. here." Oh, you haven't so lived good. until you've seen a cartoon cow get yes. picked up I feel like by a told me about You've mentioned the cartoon cow before. All I think about is the cartoon cow <laughs> and Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie. Yeah. He's great. He is. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. So I have some thoughts here about um, I Dawson and Je Joey, when this starts, they talk about how they're doing their disaster movie seance to try to get school canceled. And then when they announce that school has been canceled for their school, they rejoice. Now, I believe this is a twist on my current headcanon for this show. Dawson has some supernatural abilities mm -hmm. because Ooh. he calls in Hurricane Chris to come and <laughs> and close school for them. What does that mean about his monster movie? Does it mean that he's also calling monsters <gasps> into Capeside, i.e. the vampires and the Lost Boys and all oh. of the other supernatural entities that are coming through Capeside? This is actually a secret supernatural show. 
Uh, 100% correct, James. I wrote a note about how they specifically mention that Grandpa later on is going to be in the hospital and he's dodging this mm-hmm. hurricane situation. Oh, yeah. yes. I got some thoughts about that. <laughs> and you know what happens when there's a hurricane? The sun is blotted out. Vampires can freely walk among Cape Side without Perfect any hindrance. And I don't know if these are Twilight vampires or the traditional Nosferatus or Draculas. So are they <laughs> sparkling? Are they melting? We don't know yet. We haven't, well, we don't know if we've seen one yet. Okay. Um, we'll talk about this more later, but um, I just realized that we're talking about vampires. <laughs> I was looking up, um, what's her name? Leanne Hurley, who, Hunley, who plays um, the teacher. Oh, uh-huh. Miss yes. Jacobs. Um, she's from Forks. Oh, oh interesting. Huh, huh, wow. Isn't that so fun? is she a yeah. vampire or a werewolf? Isn't that what Twilight's Ooh. all about? The eternal yes. war? Okay. Mm-hmm. The eternal war? <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone take note of uh, what Dawson had on his side table? Yes. Because they really focused on I was that looking, for a second. I was looking at the camera. Yeah, there was, was a, so it, it was a portrait of Steven Spielberg. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, a, yes, 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 yes. In a frame. Um, a T-Rex dino with a bandage on its leg, <laughs> a baby doll head, aviator sunglasses, magazines, and then an old-fashioned alarm clock with, like, the little, like, bells on the, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was Yeah, and the wind blows little... over the Steven Spielberg yeah, portrait it, in the beginning. Steven Spielberg Ooh. gets knocked over, and then it knocks over dinosaur or something. And, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Metaphor? Interesting metaphor. Yeah. There. Very symbolic for mm-hmm. the character change for Dawson this episode. Yes. Yeah. Does anybody know, was Hurricane Chris real? No, I looked it up. Okay. It was not real. I was just wondering, you know, like, was that referencing some hurricane mm. that went through the eastern seaboard and did some damage? I don't... Was there some currency to that? I but, don't think there was even one at that time, but maybe when he was writing it, there was a there sure. was one. Um, I mean, great idea and super evocative. Yeah. Like, what a great way to set your episode. What a mm-hmm. good way, know. you know, like we were already <laughs> talking about, it makes it a pressure cooker. So I thought that was really fun. Before I make an, uh, what could possibly be an incredibly stupid uh, uh, response to all of this, I want to say I don't know anything about science. I don't know anything about weather. Uh, do hurricanes ever just last 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can move pretty quickly, so potentially, okay. but I don't. Th- I think tornadoes could. Not sure about hurricanes, though. We don't need to get into meteorology talk here, but there, there it is. <laughs> that could be our other podcast. <laughs> yeah, tune into meteorology talk with James if you want to know more about this. But um, <laughs> it is conceivable that it could just come and go like that. But uh, pretty wild for sure to just be like, oh my god, oh my god, everybody batten down the hatches. Uh, never mind, everything's okay. <laughs> you know, as Joey says later in this episode, you 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 know you're born, you make some mistakes, and you die. And I think my biggest mistake is I don't know anything about uh, weather. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty that's you're doing okay if that's yeah. the biggest concern you. Oh, got. everything else perfect. <laughs> so when when Joey and Dawson are talking about what to watch next, um, Joey wants to watch Poseidon yeah. Adventure. Has anyone seen this movie? from the seventies? Okay. Right. So yeah. she says yeah. because every quote everything is upside down. Mm-hmm. I uh, googled this. <laughs> looked on YouTube. I encourage everyone to search uh, the tidal wave scene from the movie mm. The Poseidon, Poseidon Adventure. Um, it's like watching Titanic on steroids oh my God. with confetti. It's okay. insane. <laughs> They're like on a boat and it, everything literally goes upside down. I'm not, yeah. I have no idea how they filmed it, but it, it looks amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So. 
Yeah, I I think they didn't they do like a remake of that movie in the 2000s or something like that. I don't think it was called The Poseidon's Adventure when they when they remade it, but it was the I'll exact same story lifted like It's just called Poseidon. Right. Yeah. And I remember that movie was sick as hell. I loved that movie. Um so it was very much a this ain't your daddy's Poseidon adventure. Yeah. Like it was extreme, <laughs> yeah, it was ni- sexy. Nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. At the time. I would lo- I would love to watch the whole movie because it looks <laughs> wild. And that was like golden age of disaster <laughs> movies. Yeah. yeah. Had another note about items in Dawson's bedroom. Oh, um, please. There was a bag of chips on his bed. <laughs> anyone notice uh, anyone think that looked familiar? What do you mean? Were they Fritos? I, no, I'm pretty sure they were Juanitas. Okay. What? Huh. Which I had no idea started like in the seventies in Hood oh. River oh. here in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those huh. who are listening, um, their Juanita's chips are pretty popular. I, but I had no idea that they were around that long ago. So huh. Huh. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I, yeah. I thought they were also well, very no, you, regional. You called it out. You were like, "Are those Juanitas?" When we were watching. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, apparently, I, I did notice. So that. I looked it up. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Interesting. Well, the intro credits begin. And they happen. <laughs> and then they leave. <laughs> Our postcard scene shows Capeside Townies either packing up or boarding up businesses in lieu of the coming storm. And this is where we get REMs. It's the end of the world as we know it. And it's gone as soon as it arrives. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that we were going to get like some more Capeside Town stuff. Uh, that, uh, I enjoyed the woman with the suitcase. That was. Yeah. Oh, my God, oh, you yeah. see ya. <laughs> Yeah, the, so the director was like, okay, we need to really sell that this hurricane is, is building up. Um, okay, you there with the suitcase. The, the wind is going so strong, you can't pull it up a curb. You, you, cannot, you cannot struggle more, more, more. It's just like, <laughs> okay. Her hair was like just blowing over yeah. her face. So, in, so in, yeah. when there's not a hurricane, she can just rip that suitcase <laughs> up the curb like nobody's business. But somehow, now that there's yeah. some wind, it's like, oh, she was no. definitely the star of that scene. <laughs> Loved sure. it. Yeah. I, that was such a funny, funny choice. I have the mind of a goldfish, so I don't remember. But is it, are they using the exact same townies for the later shot where it shows oh, people taking boards off their buildings? <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know. It's like you I get these six like, extras for 12 hours. Yeah. We're going to do both I right now. I think it now. was the same spot. Yeah, it definitely it, yeah. was. Listeners, let us know if you caught if it's the same people because I bet they didn't even stop the take. They're like, okay, great. Right. Yeah. Now just take those boards down, people. We got it. <laughs> Time is a ticket. Suitcase some, lady, added bring some it back. sunlight, yeah. you know, took away the wind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love the wind machines in this episode. Shout yes. out. And we smash cut to Dawson also packing up some stuff around the outside of his house as the wind really starts to pick up. Lots of chairs being put away. I didn't really understand my mind kind of, well, my brain uh, exploded a lot while watching this episode though. I think the first instance of that happening was uh, what was he putting uh, his stuff into that he, he pulled like a a draw shade thing down to save his chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a shed of paper? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was the strangest thing. Must be really popular on the East coast. Maybe that's probably why I've never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know. Listeners right in. (laughs) Please let us know. Come down to Pete Thompson's paper shed store. <laughs> Get all your paper shed store needs. So inside the Leary household, Gail is on the phone with a station manager who's informing her that Bob will be the field reporter for the hurricane and she'll have to stay home. Her husband, Mr. Manmeat himself, Mitch Leary, is excited for her to stay put. 
When Dawson walks in and catches them embracing, Mitch tells them that he's going to go to next door and see if Jen and her grandma want to stay with them to wait out the storm. When he leaves, Dawson drops a lot of not-so-subtle hints that he knows exactly what's going on with his mom and Bob before leaving to finish some hurricane preparation. All right, so on um, this subject of Miss Leary on the phone, last episode I talked about how everybody sounds the same in this fucking show and mm-hmm. all the dialogue is written for one person, but just different characters read it. Um, here is an example of that. It's Miss Leary on the, it's Miss Leary after she has gotten off the phone now talking to Mr. Manmeat himself. Let's listen. I take it they're not letting you cover the hurricane. Of course not. I'm missing a certain appendage between my legs, which apparently makes one uniquely qualified to cover inclement weather. Well, me and my appendage are both thrilled that you will be here safe where you belong. (laughs) All right, I got flashlight, candles, cold shower, and batteries. Now, I love the way Dawson delivers that cold shower line. It made me laugh every time I watch this. But <laughs> the apparently I'm missing a certain appendage between my leg, which makes me blah, blah. It's just like that is the exact same style of line that Dawson would read, that Joey has read, mm-hmm. that Jen has read, that Pacey has said, that, I mean, every single character has this exact line. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I it's just, uh, I mean, it's obnoxious. I, I can't get it out of my head that, the first note that any writer does when they're trying to create a television show is you you can journal as your characters so you can figure out what their voice is. And it seems like uh, Kevin and his friends that were <laughs> on this uh, uh, writer's room, they all just said, no, we're just going to write everyone to sound exactly the same and you can just like s- swap these characters out. Maybe it's uh, based on when actors were going to be on the set and they'll just, I don't know, hand them a script that says blank and then they're right. just allowed to read as th- that blank character. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Gail says something about darning my husband's yep. socks. Yes. Anyone know what that means? Yeah, it's like, I think it's like mending. Um, it, darning is a t- type of mend um, on socks, I believe. I Homemaker. could be wrong, but I think, yeah, it's, it's she's basically referencing like, oh, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a woman, so I'm just going to stay home and like do, you know, home homemaker things right. yeah okay. um, but I, I thought it was cool to see her speaking up to her boss you know like mm. yeah it's, it was like it, we haven't really seen much of mrs leary she's a nothing character yeah, so finally getting something like, out of her yeah and an ambition. it was so cringy when when mr leary was like we stay here where you belong yeah it's cool that we got <laughs> that new dick we yeah. got that new tidbit that his penis is sentient yes yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't know that but it explains a lot yeah I actually think that he is just one walking penis. I think that's all he actually is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you put a brain in a penis and said, like, what do you want to do with your life? That penis would say, I want to make an aquatic-themed <laughs> restaurant. <Yeah. laughs> um, did anybody, what did you guys think about Dawson, you know, confronting his mom there? I mean, he's just, he doesn't, he doesn't know what he's doing. He never knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. And so he... There's just something about the character of Dawson who pumps himself up that he's like always ready for action and he's like good at what he does. But when it's time for him to actually prove that moment, he's uh, extremely sloppy. So even in the sequence where he's trying to like be cool and drop these subtle hints, like it comes across as wretched Mm -hmm. and not interesting and not very good. And also Gail, I honestly cannot tell you if she (laughs) knows that he knows or if she's just like, wow, I think my son is broken. No, I think she knew. I, I think her her look there was like, oh, yeah. 
oh shit, you know, yeah, like but- he knows. Also, like it, he is so like passive. I feel like it was like so passive aggressive, mm-hmm. like the way that he was, you know. Yeah, let's listen to it. Just, I actually yeah. actually clipped it here. Let's take a listen. My dad's a great guy, isn't he? <laughs> Maybe on the Tom Hanks Harrison Ford idealistic side, but solid like a rock, yeah. without question, and faithful. That's it, but- this conversation has never fucking happened before. Yeah. Nobody's no. been like, and solid like a rock. <laughs> like, okay, is this a Ford commercial? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I did. I also felt like when Dawson is saying that that piece of it, that Gail doesn't really know what's happening, but then by totally. the end, she gets she's, it. she's like, yeah. oh, uh-oh. Yeah, she even yeah. says like, oh boy, or something yeah. like yeah. that, yeah. right? So I think that's the moment. We see that as the moment where she finally catches on like oh Mm -hmm. i mean he doesn't uh hide it very hard at all that he knows he's like oh yeah hurricane is chris bob's the anchor man or something like that's dad's a great guy bob's the anchor man he like does that a couple times it's like dude are you why don't you just say it instead of being this passive aggressive little child i mean i guess you are a child but yeah Yeah. remember this 45 year old is supposed to be 15 (laughs) (laughs) but it's so to me like I don't know. I, I I can be pretty scared of confrontation. Yeah. I mean, I I am scared of confrontation. And so in my mind, if I do have to confront something, I have to practice in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I think that's what Dawson does. And yeah. then he comes out and he's just uh, a passive aggressive tool that has all these like pre-written uh, scripts. Well, he's not a hair to fart. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, it's just so weird. Everything about him is weird. I do not understand why he is the main character of this show. I'll say that every episode. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and he can't, he cannot help but exclusively exist within movies. It's annoying. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> At Cape Sides Beach, uh, Pacey is helping his newly introduced older brother, police officer Doug, put up warning signs to keep tourists away during the storm. Since this is the late 90s, Pacey playfully mocks his brother's taste in music to be evidence that he's gay, although Doug claims to be the straightest person he knows, <laughs> like all cops do. <laughs> in an exposition dump, Doug also reveals that he became a cop because their father is the Cape Side chief of police. <laughs> wow. Does, does anyone out there have a chart for the family tree of Pacey? Because he has three sisters, a brother... Dad, do we know his mom yet? No, nope. not yet. I loved how the way that they had Doug tell us who their yeah. dad is. Like, you don't tell your brother, our father, the chief of police of Cape Side. Yeah. Like, yeah. Casey knows that your father is the chief of police of Cape Side. But that's how we find out that their dad is the chief. Of it was police. really lazy, you know. Show don't tell, unless it's yeah. Dawson's Creek. In which case, just just tell him. Just tell like, him. Yeah, the police sticker on the car was. It was great. Like the camera movement down to oh, yeah. when he shut the, you know, it was like police. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is Good where, um, <clears throat> this, this scene introduces my, I think my big problem with this episode, which is the ADR. Oh my, oh my God. God. So bad. Oh my God. The dubbing and like specifically the matching of the ADR to their mouths makes it seem like we're watching like a 70s cult film because everything is like a millisecond off (laughs) and also has no feeling whatsoever it's so cold and lifeless so they're like oh doug please i (laughs) wanted to go have fun today but pacey we have to put you know it's just like okay what the fuck is going on here (laughs) 
I, I think we've talked about it before, but like if you film anything near the beach, it's a bad idea yes. because it's just going to pick up so much audio level of ocean yeah. and the ocean is so loud yeah. and the wind is going to be so loud. And I imagine that they had this episode written and, and they're like, okay, okay, okay. Shooting schedule. We just have to wait for a day right. where it's going to be really horrible weather so we can convince audiences that right. there's a hurricane. And then it came and then they shot it and they went, oh my God, we this had no idea unusable. how, yeah, we can't do anything <laughs> with this sound because it's so bad. So bad. The ADR rules though. Yeah. There are many <laughs> clips, um, some of which I captured of just such, I mean, hilarious uh, dubbing. So <laughs> I, I want to thank them for it, but it also really took me out of the scene like every single yes. time that it was mm -hmm. happening. Yeah, I thought I, wa I was watching an Italian movie in the 60s. <laughs> like, it's so weird. I was going to say, like, if it felt like, like the writers all of a sudden were like, oh, wait, people know nothing about PC, so we just got to <laughs> throw all this stuff in like right yeah. away because it was just like all within like a second. It was like, okay, brother, introduced. Dad, chief of police. Da, 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 <laughs> yeah. da, 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 like... Yeah. I thought that was very silly. Just it, like felt really just cramped it in there. Yeah, it lazy. did help kind of explain Pacey a little bit. Oh, like, you know, like he's, bu he's bullied. Yes. His dad's probably really strict. And, and he's yeah. also above any kind of discipline like or action. The only yeah. person, you know, like who's going to, he can just get away with it, whatever he wants, i.e. sleeping with his teacher. Exactly. He knows there's no yeah. consequences. Mm. He knows that his dad's probably going to cover it up or do whatever he can to make sure that this doesn't become a big deal, you know? Hmm. It's it's the ultimate it level. It's like the, if you were a Pokemon, the ultimate <laughs> evolution level, it's like not only are you a white guy in America, but your dad is the chief of police. It's yeah. like yeah. it's a get out of jail free card. It's a license to kill. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Totally. Um. I, okay, one thing just uh, – Pacey saying he has to catch up on his soaps. Thought that was funny. <laughs> that was what I was thinking. Yeah. So his interests. He yeah, likes yes. soap operas. <laughs> Love that. I don't think he does. I thought he was being, I I felt like he was being like facetious and snarky towards his brother. Possibly. Yeah. More yeah. than, I don't think he was actually being authentic in that. But maybe, who knows? I think that would be a nice development for yeah. Pacey to actually have emotions. <laughs> Since we don't know anything about him, yeah. it'd be yeah. an interesting touch. Also, I thought it was funny. So they're putting up no swimming signs, right? But there's like tons of people with surfboards in the background. Is is surfing a thing in hurricane? Oh, hell yeah. Like in her yeah. during hurricanes? It whips up big for waves. James? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So so they have to, yeah. Yeah, so there would be people. I mean, that that definitely tracks for me okay. because especially growing up in the islands, whenever yeah. it's a stormy day, that's usually within reason the best day to go to the mm. beach. You're going to get good waves that are going to be bigger than normal. It might be choppy, which is the big mm -hmm. concern and then of course currents and all that stuff so like it can kind of go back and forth but it made sense to me that there would be surfers out there trying to yeah uh i also just was confused by pacey like picking on his brother for potentially being gay mm -hmm. and like yeah. at, at one point pacey says like hey i'm on your side like so it's like okay then why are you giving him such a hard time about it because I know. Th so this is i mean all right look my brother did this exact type of shit to me he mm. he would like harass me about how gay i am and how i need to come out as gay and all this kind of stuff he even did that what what we see pacey do later where he is talking to tamara and says oh yeah doug oh no he's totally gay like don't he, you know so like people would just assume that i was gay in my everyday life and then later find out I'm actually not gay. <laughs> I promise I'm not. But like, so that is, I feel like, um, 
it sucks ass. Nobody should do that. It's one, it's just homophobia. That's all it is. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's completely unnecessary. It really sucks. I totally felt for Doug in this moment of being like, like grabbing him by the collar and being like, I am not gay. Like, stop. And the the more that you push on this and then me getting upset, in your mind, it confirms that I'm gay. In my mind, I'm just trying to like set this straight that it's, but this is also something that was very common in the nineties. I think just like Cody well, mentioned yeah. in the, in the scene synopsis, like it is totally normal or not. It, it would be commonplace for boys to tease and harass other boys about being gay in the nineties. So I, I too was wondering why Kevin Williamson wrote this in and was thinking like, maybe it had something to do with his own family background um, I happened to find a little bit about his background. So I found his dad's obituary. Apparently he passed away. His father passed away in like 2020, I think. Um, but there are, you know, in obituaries when you find them, they have, sometimes they have like more family information on people than you can find anywhere else. Um, and the way it was written, it sounds like his brother is gay. Oh, interesting. Um, because it, it listed his brother as having a husband so I kind of wonder if there was like... Sorry, in, his, by his brother, you mean his dad's brother? So no. Doss, okay. Um, Kevin Williamson's brother. So I wonder if there was like hmm. some something there that he wrote in that had was related to his own like relationship Maybe. with his brother because he's also gay. Could be. I, don't, I, I just yeah. wonder. Because yeah. why would he, a gay man, put write this in? It's so homophobic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to be relevant to the times and right, also I, potentially yeah, I, to underscore like to make us all feel i think i really feel like it was written for laughs that scene like did you guys feel like it was written for laughs or did you feel like it was written for some kind of commentary um definitely laughs for me because huh. all of the things that he's using are stereotypes and we're supposed to like pacey right like pacey if you're an audience watching this in the late 90s one, you're going to think homophobia is funny because that was just like normal it and it was horrible. Yeah. And uh, two, we're supposed to like, I don't, I don't know how this is possible, but people liked Pacey at this point. So if Pacey, the lovable, funny goofball is making homophobic jokes about his brother and it's because of the music he likes, that means you're gay. Like right. it's yeah. supposed to be for laughs. I don't hmm. think that there'd be criticism of unless, I mean, Kevin Williamson is aware of it. Definitely. And also it could be something where, Maybe him and his brother, I mean, the armchair psychologist, but the idea of, you know, gay people mocking other people for being gay uh, without even realizing that they're gay, you know, it's something that could be revealed later to themselves subconsciously of being like, oh, like that makes total sense. So all I, all I can really say is this whole arc. I could have just completely done without like, it was weirdly triggering for me. I had kind of forgotten about all of that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, it made me very happy that we're now in a time where men don't, um, harass each other about being gay for non heteronormative masculine, you know, things that go against the masculine ideal. Uh, it's just like it. Yeah. It, it was really shitty and gross. And, I wish that I could understand why they did it. I wish that there was some commentary behind it, but I felt like there just wasn't. That was the 90s. Plus, I mean, 
Yeah. Also later, <laughs> I mean, for listeners that haven't watched this episode yet, uh, Doug will pull out a gun. Yes. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, for all you film theorists out there, there's no more phallic of yes. an image yes. in cinema than a pistol, rifle, gun in general. So the fact that he's pulling out a gun and pointing it in Pacey's face to be like, I'm not gay, says yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah, I feel like with this episode, they were like, let's let's like, they took a salt shaker of toxic masculinity yeah. and we're like, let's yeah. like sprinkle some. And then just the cap came off and Oops. it was just like, <laughs> Oops, <laughs> <all> toxic masculinity. It's <laughs> the working title for this yeah. episode. Yeah. We head to Joey's sister's place where Bessie and Bodie are in a heated discussion on whether their unborn baby should be circumcised or not. Joey suggests that they should go to Dawson's place to wait out the storm in case it gets worse than they've prepped for. <sighs> Yeah, yikes. <laughs> Uncomfy scene. Um, I'm just going to go ahead. Let's all listen to this. Don't change the subject. This kid is being circumcised. No, he's not. Uh, very strange that Bodhi is the one that wants Really, the really wants this. Yeah. I, Why um, is that strange? Well, uh, I think... I mean, I feel like it's more prevalent and popular nowadays, yeah. but m men are now like, hey, this is genital mutilation yeah. without our consent because we were oh. babies. Um, th this should not be happening. It's more, I mean, I feel like it's broader yeah. now, but even that's what Bessie's argument is too. Yeah. Right. It's like, I, yeah, I did I did a little research on the history of like anti-circumcision movements and there was a movement like between the 80s and 90s. Um, so during that yeah. time, there were like organizations around the world that, you know, were against it. Um and like there were activists that created websites and put out like questionnaires to men who were circumcised mm. and like asking that, and like apparently men were saying like, yes, like this has affected us psycho, you know, psychologically. And so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting addition to this episode because it really did. <laughs> this is also a thread that goes nowhere. No, like, yeah. I, I mean, one of many well, in this episode that goes nowhere, but I, it's, <laughs> Okay, so like, okay, it's either Kevin Williamson is trying to like yeah. put this topic out there, or it's a writer's room that goes uh, of all. I imagine this writer room was uh, a lot of men and young men that are like they've never been in a serious relationship, or they're, they're they've never been married or anything, and they don't have children. So they're like, "What do you think uh, married couples or people having a baby argue about before a baby comes?" I don't do dick stuff, circumcision <laughs> stuff. Like, let's put that in. That could be something. But then we later find out that they don't even know if it's going to be a boy. Oh, yes, exactly. They don't know they the are, sex. I think the next episode is when they yeah. she's going to have the baby. So maybe there's something, you know, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I thought that was super funny that, like, they don't even know. <laughs> Why this argument? Yeah, at least, like, be smart about it. Make it about, like, the baby's name or something. And then they could. Totally. And then it would be cute because it's like, it's like if it's a boy, it should be, you know, Joe. And then she's like, well, it's a girl, Joey. And then they're like, ha, ah, look at that. Like, it means, like, there could <laughs> yeah. be something there, but instead they're talking about circumcision on television. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. Bessie uh, was rocking some overalls. Love that. Mm -hmm. Side note on that. Very fashionable. <laughs> yeah. And comfortable for a pregnant person. Yeah. Again, also, despite uh, this like very strange interaction that these characters are having, I, I love Bodhi. Every scene oh, yeah. that Bodhi's uh, yeah, in, Bodhi's awesome. he has a lot of charisma and I want to see more out of him. And so I, I hope he does become more of a regular character. Mm -hmm. Seems like he's becoming one, but I agree. He, he brings a lot of life to the scenes that he's in. Yes. 
Back at the beach, Pacey finds his way to Tamara's house. He approaches her on her porch for a smooch, but she pushes him away just in time as Doug rounds the corner. Pacey is visibly infuriated as Doug continues to belittle him while also flirting with Tamara. Um, so we, there is a line between Ms. Jacobs and Doug where she says, I really don't do well in bad weather. And he says, we'll have to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's two times that we have people insinuating like sex yes. in response to the storm. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. like- <laughs> I actually clipped that. Let's take a listen. I didn't catch the, uh, catch Doug's response, but I just remember, uh, this, this, uh, this show has a thing with bad screams. So let's just take a listen to <laughs> Tamara's, uh, Tamara's response to this thunder crack. Listen closely. Tamara. Ah, I'm sorry. I hate storms. I, I, I really don't do well at all in bad weather. Oh, let's this, do that one more time. Yeah, one more yeah. time. Ah. Here we go. Tamara. Ah, I'm sorry. I hate storms. I, I, I really don't do well at all in bad weather. This was so ah. badly acted. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's the ADR. It's the ADR. It I makes know, it sound just, crazy. Uh, yeah, I just, it was like, oh, there's two men between me. Oh, I'm so scared. Like, <laughs> keep me safe like i i hated this whole thing ah and i imagine that you know when they were filming this was probably like horrible weather actually because of the adr and stuff so it's probably like like under 50 degrees they're all freezing this is probably not the first take so they're miserable so like ah yeah okay it's bad weather i don't want to do bad weather (laughs) okay bye (laughs) yeah there's another little clip here that's um after after she says that before she turns back to go inside i didn't capture, capture the audio here because it just was it didn't translate but she goes (laughs) <laughs> and then just turns and walks in. And I don't know what, like. Oh, I think it's because Doug says that yeah. thing where he's like, we'll have to do something oh, about that. And then totally. she's just like awkwardly like. <laughs> Did anybody else feel like Pacey and T- Tamara had just had a fight when he walks up? Because she is like, Ugh, no, don't because, come here. Like, no, no, she's doing that because Doug's there and she doesn't want Doug to see Pacey interacting in, in a way guess, that he's going to like. It fe- he to, didn't know that Doug didn't was It didn't translate as. To me, it didn't translate as, like, play it cool, your brother is around the corner. Oh. It played as, like, there was something else that we didn't see. Like, mm-hmm. they had cut, I don't know. Interesting. I, I see what you mean, but I feel like their arc for this entire episode is what she says near the end where she goes, it's too dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is getting, getting too messy. Sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. So, her, you know, and Pacey just lollygagging through life. It was, you know. <laughs> It was like, I'm going to make out with you now. You know, no, 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 no. Officer Doug's around the corner. And uh, also, I love that um, da- da- Pacey Daddy is the chief of police. Doug is a police officer. Uh, during this storm, what does a police of- officer do? He's just going to hang out at a citizen's yeah. house? Yeah. And try to yeah. all day? Yeah. Yeah. That so he was like so- walking by and he just saw her <laughs> approach her on the porch. Mm-hmm. Hey. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, if you're to serve and protect, which right. they don't do, uh, it, it, during a storm, why is he just go, yeah, I'm going to go play Monopoly with this hot lady. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. At Dawson's place, Mr. O'Leary is helping Jen's grandma into the house while Jen stays behind to talk to Dawson as he's prepping for the storm. Dawson is still acting cold toward her as Jen had revealed last episode that she's not a virgin as he had once thought. Jen tries to get him to talk about it, but he still ignores her like a big, stupid baby. So, like, Mr. Leary is like, okay, we got to go get um, Grams and Jen to come over here. And 
Grams is like not down. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, if the Lord wants to oh, yeah. blow my house away. Old people stoicism. So be it. <laughs> yeah. So it's be like, it. what? Like, you don't want to try and be sick be safe like i don't know you don't it's like the about- opposite of tamara <laughs> yeah. yeah oh keep me safe oh. i just thought it was like a really care. weird well she's weathered more storms than you've lived through <laughs> yeah. yeah so that Wait. means that this one can't be dangerous right. i guess uh we also learn here that grandpa's back in the hospital yeah so which convenient yes mm-hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly this is where my theory comes back into play Look, he's not in the hospital. That's a convenient cover. Mm-hmm. He's actually out hunting vampires. He's keeping the whole town safe um, because, as Cody rightly pointed out, hurricane hurricanes are the perfect time for vampires to wage war on the poor mortals that are living there. So Gramps is actually out. He's got his stake vest ready to go. All those mm. rolling <laughs> pins are, like, in a bandolier across yes. his body. Um, and he's... There's a reason that we don't see him. It's because he's out in the shadows protecting. He's the Batman of Capeside. I love that. Or- out, outside of this true narrative of the vampire show, I mean, it is interesting that she does not think there's anything dangerous about the storm. In the end, she's correct. The storm lasts 20 seconds. But for her to just be so stoic about how she's going to be okay during the storm, she's a thousand years old. Right. Jen's not going to protect her. She's stubborn. Yeah. It's frustrating. Uh, well, but I, like I you I hear about I mean sometimes when there's big storms you hear about like, you know, people who don't want to leave their home, like older mm-hmm. people who are older who, you know, they're kind of set in their ways and they don't want to leave their home, they want to stay there and they'll, you know, they'll survive. Like that's that's kind of what I got from, you know, like they just have that like Yeah, what am I, I live so long that What am you know. I saying? We just went through the pandemic and I think every boomer on earth was like, yeah, I'm not going to get that. Right. <laughs> I did love that um, moment between Jen and um, Mr. Manmeat where Jen like says like, oh, the Lord faxed the house about the storm, whatever. And then like Mr. Manmeat like looks at Jen and they kind of have a little shared laugh smile. Yeah, he's like. He's looking like he thought it was funny, but then Grams looks at him and he's like, oh, I better straighten up. That wasn't funny at all. (laughs) Don't joke about the God. Yeah. (laughs) Well, You're right, cute. Jen. Your grandma is insane. <laughs> Inside Dawson's, the TV is blaring about the storm's ongoing rampage while Mr. Leary introduces Bessie and Bodie to Jen's grandma. She refuses to meet their gaze, mentioning that their pregnancy is outside of wedlock. Grams doubles down on her awfulness by then refusing to acknowledge Bodie since he's a black man. Wait, does she say, what does she say? We've met. You're Bessie, Joey's unmarried sister. But she doesn't and say then- anything about him being black, right? No, but it's very clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. She yeah, says, I think it's subtext. But yeah. The, yeah, the comment that she makes about the kid. She says some stuff later. Yeah, but that's like more scene. directed yeah. towards right. race. This part is right. Yeah. It's more about them not being married. Yeah, which I <sighs> didn't really realize before, like first few episodes that they weren't married. Doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what a bag of What's, shit. I yeah, mean, this character like, already sucked enough, and they're just like throwing more stuff to. But at the same time, it felt like quite a like twist to inject into this character. Like, yeah, we've seen that she's kind of like obnoxious, and I guess it tracks because she's old. So by film tropes, like she has to be out of touch and behind the times. But it was also like, why? Yeah. Why? Why did we have to put this one in here? I guess just for the conflict. That's that is the why. One hundred percent. Again, it's back to in earlier on. It's just kind of like a little lazy feeling to me. 
super lazy. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it's like the first thing that would come to your mind yeah. if you're in the if you're building this episode and you're breaking the story and you go, okay, so why do you think these characters are going to have conflict? It's like, oh, we should make the old lady be racist. Yes. Like right. it's so, I don't know. Yeah. Low hanging fruit. Also, Very. they, you know, maybe they don't want us. They want us to not like Grams because maybe her trajectory is, you know, she's. I don't know. There's going to be some growth or. Well, Who knows? you know, the other side of the the Grams coin is Jen, and I think that we're always supposed right. to like Jen yeah. more than Grams, so they have to make sure the Grams is, yeah. you know. But Yeah, I mean, we're we're jumping ahead here, but I, with Grams doing this, we as an audience are like, she sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, she doubles down on her racism later throughout the episode, but then the last time that we see this character, it's her providing really good wisdom and yeah. then mm-hmm. and then every thread is dropped so right. she's like the moral character of this episode which is so yeah. backwards totally yeah, yeah. it's this is where um the episode started to just get into like okay this is getting psychotic we're getting a, a little wild we're definitely just like okay let's make this more let's make this more how much crazier can we get you know so yeah this episode definitely felt like just a roller coaster going up, 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 yep. up, up, like yep. the whole time. Every, just like, yeah, yeah, the whole time. Until it really isn't until like <laughs> click, the last click. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't until like the last commercial break that we start to get some release of the tension, yeah. which is kind of awesome for for a TV show. I felt like. Well, over on the staircase, Mrs. Leary is openly flirting with Bob over the telephone as Dotch, uh, as Daw- Dawson watches from the upstairs banister above her. When she hangs up, he approaches her saying she should plop a big red A on her chest like in the Scarlet Letter. I caught this this clip that I'm going to play for us here. Um, how in the fuck has she not been caught if this is the kind of behavior that she's doing in her own home on a landline that is shared across the house does any don't you all remember when we had home phones yes and anybody could yes. be on the line with yes. you listening to your shit so listen to this and just remember that feeling of the paranoia of being on a phone call would you do this <laughs> bad boy Ew. well you just be careful out there and like you back in one piece okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll call you back. This music. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> And the slow-mo up to oh, Dawson yeah. in the background. Uh-huh. It was so bad. Yeah. And, you know, just as this is happening in the episode, this is one of my favorite things from the 80s and 90s is the stutter shot, like, pseudo slow-mo, but it's in real <laughs> yeah. time. It's just like they're blocking out every second and third frame. Mm-hmm. So you get this, like, da 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 <laughs> It just is so 90s. It reminds me of The Crow and like every yeah. action movie from the mid 90s had this exact same shot. And to have it be used in this <laughs> this setting where Dawson is just like, my mommy is cheating on my daddy. Mm. <laughs> it was just great. Aside from the, the cheating thing and right before the clip that you just played, we do find out that she is an award winning yes. uh, news commentator. She's won the local Emmy and uh, the quote golden desk award. And she has more plaques and trophies than soft be Bob. Yeah. Unsurprising. Cause he <laughs> sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely get the feeling that like of their, their anchor relationship, she actually does the hard work and Bob is just the yes. suave, handsome man it, on mm-hmm. the show. That's kind of what he's I, probably got a voice that people like to listen to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought like 
with obviously like if Gail's just being like so obvious on the phone, but it's like, especially after like earlier in the day, it was very clear that your son knows what's going on. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. do this shit. Yeah. It made me really angry, but yeah. Also mm. it's just like, yeah, the memories of like, you know, there being a phone call on the landline and then me like secretly yes. picking totally. up and listening. Like yeah. anyone oh, could be listening. That was one of my favorite things to do as a kid. I used to, yeah. so I had a home phone <laughs> in my bedroom and I kept it on the other side of my bed between my bed and the wall so that I could just lay in bed and listen to people's phone calls, <laughs> which is probably a horrible thing to admit now. But but goddamn, I used to love that, like yep. silently lifting up the receiver, you know, so that you're still hung up until you get the phone mm -hmm. to your ear and then you gently lift it so there's no click. Like, I feel like everybody has these strategies. They remember this. There's something that about being in the 90s that that was a thing. Like I used to listen to my brother talking on the phone with all his friends. And like that was how I learned about cool shit that older <laughs> kids knew about, you know. So like I loved this scene. I mean, that, that specific part of the scene, that like feeling, it brought me back. But how bold. It's just so wild to yeah. me. Nobody would do this. It's, it would be like it's. I mean, we've already seen her do this. Remember in the the, in the, the previous scene where she's in the closet mm -hmm. as if that's going to. And that's when Joey saw her. Yeah. And yeah. she was, yeah, she was like, she yeah. was already caught then. Like, yeah. You're yeah. such a fucking she's careless. Yeah. What? She wants to be understand. caught. Yeah. I, totally. I totally she think she does. Because there's no reason she's doing this. Exactly. <laughs> she has no reason. <laughs> yeah. How wild. Yeah. Well, um, with that. Yeah. That's. Time for our commercial break. Yeah. Our very first commercial break okay. of the day, huh? Ah. <laughs> All right, we will see you on the other side. Hello there. Jumping in on the commercial break to remind you to find us online. We're on social media at Freaks and Creeks Pod, where we post all sorts of great content. So come and join the conversation. We'd love to have you. We also have a website, freaksandcreeks.com. It has a really sleek web player, which means you can listen from anywhere or share episodes directly with your friends and family. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And we're back. So Dawson is storming away from his mom after their confrontation, but she corners him and tries to explain why she's having an affair with Bob. After an obnoxious grammar fix from Dawson during her monologue, he waves her away excuses and runs away from her. First off, this is some shit my mom does literally all the time. The grammar fix, like mm -hmm. specifically with like me and I when you're, uh -huh. yeah. All the time she does it and it makes me very upset. Uh, that wasn't like though. obnoxious that Dawson's doing. It. I was like, oh God. Uh, when, when Dawson was like referring to his dad and he, and to his telling his mom, mm -hmm. it has a name, husband, spouse, mate, better half. He didn't even say his name. It was no. like he was saying character types. Yeah, like, yeah. Or like, you know, like, well, that's him, like so Dawson. To, exactly. To, to him, that's one and the same. Yeah. It's also just the most Dawson shit ever for him. Cause like, you know, that he premeditated that he wanted to drop this like oh, yeah. fat oh, scarlet yeah. letter line that he had, you know? Oh yeah. And he, you know, earlier he had the stupid lines about, you know, Harrison Ford and stuff like that. So <laughs> you know that when he's run out of lines, all he could do is run away. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, oh shit. Okay. Okay. So uh, bye. And um, 
yeah, this is what we get, him not knowing how to have a human conversation with someone if he doesn't have a cool witty line to say. And isn't this where his mom tries to say there are reasons for this? Like, don't yes. don't jump to conclusions. There's something, there are reasons behind this, which we later come to find out that her reason is that she doesn't have a reason. Pretty so solid reason. There is no reason for no. this. She's actually just kind of caught red-handed here and I think is just like saying shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, even though Dawson is still being very obnoxious in the scene, like, I was, you know, kind of proud of him for being, like, I don't know, kind of standing up for himself and that it's, like, very valid that it's, yeah. like, yeah, you're my mom. You shouldn't be telling me the reason. Like, mm -hmm. I'm your son. Go fucking yeah. figure it out with my dad. Like, I'm not the yeah. person you need to be talking to right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is the one insightful moment in Dawson's uh, probably entire life um, where he's justifiably being like, look, no, don't talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to somebody else. Like, I'm I'm not the one here that's in this situation yeah. with you. So, yeah. The Dawson bursts into his room and slams the door, finding Jen hanging out, awaiting him. <gasps> he vents about his mom's affair. But when Jen tries to see Mrs. Leary's side of things, Dawson lumps her and his mom together as people who have been with multiple partners. Jen rightfully gives him an earful on how she, nor anyone else, is a perfect idyllic movie character and runs out of the room. Yeah, you guys want to hear uh, yeah. Jen ripping Dawson, yes. you asshole? Yes. Yes, I was like, yes, please. I loved this. I rewound it. I wanted to watch it again because finally somebody, somebody stands up to Dawson and says what we've all been thinking for this entire series. Let's take a listen. We're not all as pious as you, Dawson. Some of us aren't imaginary characters in a Spielberg film. Some of us live in reality. <sighs> the crowd. Oh. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> Wait, yeah. yeah, my favorite thing about that is I, I feel like, yeah, when Dawson, you know, he's like, oh, I just can't get anything wrong, and he throws himself on the bed. But I feel like James Vanderbeek was like, ow. Because <laughs> he's like, oh. And it's a TV show, so you know it's not a real bed. Oh, it's no. probably just like a bunch of tables with some yeah. sheets over it, you know. Probably did hurt really bad. Yeah, but I mean, fucking facts, right? Like, Jen is just the coolest character in the entire show for finally calling him out on his bullshit. And also, we're not all imag imaginary characters in a Spielberg film. Like, that is mm -hmm. exactly what fantasy Dawson lives in, that he is in some fantasy Spielberg film that's centered on him. And I loved that we finally got him getting set straight. And this is why we saw the Spielberg portrait get knocked down at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His uh, fantasy is being challenged. Mm -hmm. There's also some line, I think, where Dawson says something about his parents bumping like rabbits. Yes. Oh. Yeah. They bump like rabbits every day, and he thought that that would be enough, but apparently it's not, which is... I, I'm glad that we get this because this sets up the later conversation that him and Jen have, where Jen is like, sex does not equal happiness. Um, but to Dawson, it does equal happiness and monogamy equals like happiness. And all of this is now really challenging my worldview. Like we've touched on it before, mm -hmm. but I sometimes I think the show, you know, Kevin Williamson is smart and the show is about how uh, people are too stupid to understand the things that they watch. Yeah. And he's using Dawson as like this character to completely encompass that like the idea of like people that watch you know a lot of romantic comedies and think like oh my life should be like that that's what i'm looking for in a partner that's what dawson is definitely what a big fat dummy also props to michelle williams in this scene i mean like it, it is so clear why she is the one that became a very prestigious actor out of the core four uh she is such an incredible artist and 
given the material that is Dawson's Creek, she kills it every time when she has mm-hmm. these really great monologues. She's so good. She is, yeah. Yeah. I loved her in this episode in general. I thought she was really great. Like, yeah. give her the yeah. script to jingle all the way, and she would <laughs> give an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah, she's killing it. So while Dawson, while Dawson falls to his bed in frustration, he hears a sneeze come from his closet. Joey emerges, having been there the whole time, and tries to reminisce about when they were younger and would reenact the film Jaws in his closet. Dawson isn't in the mood, and Joey figures he's still mad about not telling him that she knew about his mom's affair. Before leaving the room, Joey tells Dawson he should be happy that, at the very least, he still has a mom. Yeah. I noticed a funny continuity thing here uh, when, so he, he comes into the room when he enters the room in the previous scene, Jen was already sitting in there, meaning Joey had been in there for how long <laughs> that, while that's Jen the was first just thing hanging Lisa, out. Yeah. Also in a lot of the shots, the closet's like open. So <laughs> I thought that was kind oh, of funny. And then, then like when Jen leaves then the closets are suddenly closed and you know, then of course he finds Joey. So I thought that was funny, but like she had had to be in there for yeah. oh, quite a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, I think, the first instance that we see Joey in the exact same position. It, it will happen two more times. Yeah. This episode. Oh. Yeah. She is, yeah. and she kind of, I, th- I think this is where she says it. She's regressing. That's why she's in the closet. She's regressing mm-hmm. back to being a child, which is kind of sad <laughs> that she's just like, you know, she wants to feel safe. She wants to feel secure. And the way that she does that is by apparently hiding in his closet with his like stinky clothes and all that stuff. Like to your point, how long was she just sitting in there with these musty, smelly clothes while Jen is just also sitting in the room yeah. and they're just like, like why oh, did they shit. hang out? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I can't come out now. I mean, so Joey and Dawson have been friends since they were children. So it's probably normal for Joey to be in the closet. So she knows you know, yeah. that that's normal for Dawson. But Jen being new to, to this situation, right. I imagine Joey sees Jen come in and goes, if I say anything, she'll never talk to me ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she'll yeah. think I'm insane. <laughs> or, or she thinks like there's already kind of like a tension thing. And she reads that. And so she's like, if she, if Jen thinks that me and Dawson are like doing anything sexual, mm. right. you know, that'll ruin their relationship. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Or so, the show was just insane. Like we said before, I think the show is insane. And evidence of that is when Joey gets upset at Dawson about how he doesn't want to play in the play jaws in the closet with her. And he said, and she says, Oh yeah, I guess this is also on the list of things that we're too old to do now, like sleeping over. Wait, didn't you propose that we're too old to spend the night now? So wait, why is this Dawson's fault? Right, she kind of turned that around. It was weird. Yeah. So the Learys are watching the hurricane coverage with Joey, Bodie, Essie, and Grams. (laughs) Bodie is trying to give Grams some advice on how to make a dish she served better, but she insists that her recipe is already perfect. Mr. Leary states how he hopes Bob makes it out of the hurricane okay, and Joey leaves the room in disgust, knowing (laughs) of Mrs. Leary's indiscretion. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to defend Grams in any way, shape, or form, but if I made a dish for people and somebody was like, hey, you could make this way better with this (laughs) stuff, I'd be like, "Uh, excuse me, what the fuck is your problem? I thought Bodie was nice about it. I, I don't know. I'm on Bodie's side here because he was like, oh, yeah, you, know, you could add a little like rosemary, salt, rosemary and salt. Like that would punch it up a bit. Of course. I, I, he, he wasn't like uh, this was terrible. And <laughs> OK, so next time you make a, a dish, I'll be sure to give you 
<laughs> a little piece of feedback on well, how you can do it better. Also, no, the thing is, like, he he's a he's in like the culinary culinary arts, right? So, like. Yeah, but that, she's an old lady like, and a homemaker, yeah. so she knows more about the culinary arts <laughs> than he does. Yeah, it was an interesting interaction. Again, I don't her. want to defend her. I, I don't think that, I mean, she could have, she clearly takes offense to him giving her feedback because of her own hangups, not because of anything else. So it is indefensible. I do want to know what the recipe was. I mean, it must have been pretty bland for him Apparently to, was to suggest it, something as simple as <laughs> rosemary and, and pepper. All like, you have to do is put this chicken over a fire, and then it's going to taste good. He's I, like, actually, we want seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she went through World War II where they weren't even allowed to have seasoning. You know, rations, baby. They had a chicken, and they just threw it in the oven, and that's that. I'm going to shake this empty tin can over the chicken, and that'll just the thought of seasoning. You know, it was my, for me. Maybe I'll add some lard. <laughs> it was my mother's recipe. We took a chicken, and then we ate it. We call it dream chicken because you really dream about all the flavors you like to have mm, i like it when it's dry we could we could make a um dawson's creek cookbook <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, mac and of, cheese smoked yeah. chowder recipes yeah. yeah wet wet mac and cheese sticky chowder and then raw oysters as well as unseasoned <laughs> i chicken wonder breast. if there's like a Bodhi <laughs> recipe book that'd be cool oh there probably is now it's i'm sure be, yeah. yeah actually yeah has anyone looked up any uh merch for Dawson's Creek. Oh, oh there is uh you can find the replica of his necklace his, oh, that he always wears, like that black pearl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Gotta get that. Get yeah, I know. I almost did. I Whoever's mean, dressing just, up as Dawson for Halloween. Yes. I've always wanted a nice pearl necklace <laughs> to complement my shark's teeth and my puka shell. So that'll go well with my general look. We should all go to the gap later and get some cargo shorts. Yes. Joey is hanging out on the stairs in the entryway moping, and Mrs. Leary comes out to join her. Gail practically admits that all of this has gotten out of hand and says that she's planning on ending the affair with Soft B Bob. I thought it was weird, like, you know, it was like a few scenes ago where she's having this intimate conversation on the phone with Bob where she's making kissy noises, and then, I mean, clear, yeah, like Dawson knows, blah, 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 but it's like, Okay, I'm ending it. I don't know. It's just like we don't really see how she got there, I guess. Yeah, and we also have no perception of how long it's been either. So it's it, it, it to your point, it's just it's difficult to understand why she has decided to end it or if she's being truthful in mm -hmm. her decision to now end it. At my first watch, I kind of assumed that she was just trying to like... Like appease... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm I, I was really confused by this, but what I was more confused by was what is the F word that Joey is is referring to? Well, so Gail goes, I guess I f this is really. F so yeah. my what I think it was, I guess I fucked up. This yeah. is really fucked up. And then she says, I guess every sentence that comes to mind ends with the F word. Right. So I Farts. think that's and she no, she's saying that like you don't you aren't uh, upstand like you aren't an example, like just stick with the fuck the F word like you're that's who that's you pretty, are like it's pretty yeah. cold-blooded <laughs> yeah well that's how i mean joy's you know she's just telling her how it is i guess my vibe was that it was like kind of like playful from joey was it was just like because oh, yeah. like mom gail mrs manmy is like like wanting to set a good example and joey's like okay well you're not you already did so, it yeah yeah that's what I, it felt like they were trying to be like chummy yeah but kind of a strange 
pivot if that is the case that now we're being chummy when she just was trying to shit all over her downstairs in front of her husband she's been pretty adamant that she is a fuck up and that she's disappointed Mm -hmm. in her and now she's like but it's okay (laughs) get it i think i mean but i this is the first time that we've seen gail be like kind of real own up to that it that she's fucked up and that she wants to end it so i think joey maybe is having a little bit of sympathy towards her I think it's completely valid for anyone to be confused by this because the motivations are <laughs> so all over the place and these characters are changing who they are every 30 seconds. Yeah. Every other scene, a character is different. Remember, <laughs> uh, it was like five scenes ago where Gail is on the phone being like, yeah, and now she's going to break up with someone. Uh, who cares? Who cares? These characters are not people. <laughs> no. <laughs> all we know is that vampires are real and that, thank God, Grandpa is here keeping us all safe. Yeah, what do you think Grandpa's doing during this whole he's season. staking some fucking bloodsuckers out there <laughs> yeah there's a swamp thing that's walking down the main street <laughs> mothman's probably making an appearance too like he's busy back at tomorrow's pacey and doug are having a pissing contest on who's the most masculine to impress tomorrow there's a loud crash outside and doug goes to investigate while he's gone pacey of course tries to make a move on tomorrow and in their disgusting playful flirtation They fall on top of each other in intimate display just as Officer Doug walks into the room. Um, Okay, my first thing thing is like Doug being like, like there's a crash and he like is like, I'm going to go investigate. He's like, this is my job. And he like puts the rain jacket (laughs) over his head. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, just so funny. Like your job is. Yeah, I I thought it was silly. It's like. Your job is to protect people in a storm? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Like, you guys what? know what that crash is, right? I mean, I know vampires? what you're going to say. Vampire. Yeah. It is a vampire <laughs> attack on, like, on Miss Jacob's neighbors. So <laughs> while he was out there, um, Tamara says something about not with your badge brother right outside. Quick reminder, yeah. this is a felony. So uh-huh. this is the first time she's actually outright said, like, this is illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked yeah. up um, that when I was watching that, it prompted me to look up how old they were during the filming. Mm. Um, Joshua Jackson was 19 and uh, Leanne Hunley was 43, or like mm. around 43. Oh. So, a, wow. Yeah. They have great chemistry. <laughs> believable. Believable romance for sure. Also, Doug, um, strange that. Doug is not picking up on any of these hints that Pacey is dropping that he is in a romantic relationship with her. He is very blind to it. I mean, is it just the the hateful blindness that he has for his brother that is keeping him from realizing they are an item? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think it was that up to this point until Mm -hmm. he like comes in where he's on top of her um, that there was like intimacy between them. Right, I think he's just taking it as, like, he's fighting with his brother up to this point. Um, I also was really curious what they were eating because it looked like she just had a big old plate of mustard on her chest. They definitely (laughs) just squirted, like, ketchup and mustard all over her sweater because if you look at that sandwich and the sandwich, but it's, like, the sandwich is, like, sitting nicely on top. And then there's, like, there's, like, a big pile of ketchup and mustard. They took the squirt bottle and just... Like, so it's so funny. Let's put ourselves in the role of Doug here and try to figure out what he thinks he just walked in on. How could he possibly not come to any kind of conclusions that something happened? Like, in what world would 
my younger brother end up on top of this woman with all of the food on top of her. There's no other conclusion to draw. Like, how doesn't he see something is going on here? To your point, Stella. I mean, I don't know. But at the same time, it's like so bizarre that she's laying on the ground with a bunch of food and condiments on top of her that, uh, that um, I don't know, it'd be weird to be like, oh, yeah, this is a in- intimate yeah. sexual relationship. <laughs> Well, I think I actually just found my own solution here, which is if he runs outside because there's a vampire attack when he uh-huh. hears this crash, now he hears a crash inside and he's like, oh, fuck, the vampires got inside yes. the house. I got to get in there and save. And then he just sees it's a bunch of ketchup and mustard. That's all. It was a ketchup yeah. and mustard attack. It would have okay. been, been way better if he goes in, sees the ketchup, and he goes, oh, my God, <gasps> Pacey is a vampire. I want to suck your blood. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Their dad, chief of police. Yes. Twilight policeman Charlie Bella Swan's father. Do you uh-huh. think this Ooh. is? Oh, and she's from Forks. Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. So all coming been, together. Yeah. We've got a Dawson's Creek Twilight is why, verse. Is that why we don't know much about Pacey's family? Oh my God! Yeah. <gasps> Perhaps one of his three sisters is Bella Swan. Oh, interesting. Swans like creeks. Swans oh, like oh water. They float. Oh they swim on the water. The swans from Forks came to Cape Side all the way across the country. So Dawson approaches his dad, who's alone, working on his aquatic-themed restaurant, The Kelp, seemingly about to tell him about Gail's affair with Bob. When Gail herself enters the room and spills the beans with the bizarre monologue on how she (laughs) never ended up like the TV reporters she always wanted to be, when the punchline of her affair finally arrives, the electricity cuts out. What the fuck kind of like explanation was she trying to give? When she starts off, she's like, basically, woe is me. My mm-hmm. life didn't turn out as, as planned, so it's okay. And then she just drops this bombshell on him, which I've clipped, and I would like to play for us if we'd all like to hear mm-hmm. this. Yes. Um, this is... Uh, this is after Mr. Leary is like, okay, what are you trying to say here? I'm not following you. And Mrs. Leary gives him this. What I am saying is for the past two months, for the past 62 days, every time that I've come home late, every time that I've made an excuse to leave this house, every time that I haven't been with you, I have been with someone else, another man, having sex with another man. (laughs) Wow. Can you play the Jen scream now in reaction? Oh, yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so every time that she has left the house, she has been having sex with another man. Every single time. 62 days. For 62, that's that's, impressive that's, yeah. frankly yeah. <laughs> 62 days of uh mitch going huh, that's weird yeah huh strange but it's so <laughs> silly because later she mentions that like every day of her life her husband satisfies her so every day of her life her husband satisfies her, but also double duty for the past 62 days she's been you know yeah maybe gail is a sex addict that's what yeah. cody yeah. said last episode and mm-hmm. it's really feeling like it that has to be one of if not the only answers for her um 
her behavior. Yeah, I mean, she later mm-hmm. like really breaks down the why of it, which is like the anti answer of there is no reason why, but the that this all has to be masking that she's a sex addict because the, there's no really rhyme or reason for it. It, it seems like proto American beauty with Annette Benning's character of being like, I was a suburban wife and my life was extremely boring. And before nine 11, this is all we did. So it's like, of course I'm going to have an affair, but yeah, it really doesn't add up to anything. Uh, Let's just take a moment to admire that the, this might be the last time we see the kelp in its glory yeah. because yeah, that we, we got a good shot of it, but we this did, might be but- it. Um, when we walk in and see, uh, Mr. Leary working on the kelp. He <laughs> he says to Dawson is that, um, you know, once once the kelp takes off, you know, there's going to be a whole chain of Leary family restaurants from coast to coast. Yeah, baby. Yes. And I just thought that was very, very bizarre. Like, so is his plan to open He's starting off a with a chain. Like yes. he's yeah. just like coast yeah. to coast. Totally. We're having aquatic themed restaurants all across yeah, which the nation. Aquatic yeah. themed restaurants are going to work so well in like Iowa. And with that like intense of a theme too. I mean, it's just, it's like the rainforest cafe. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> My favorite also, restaurant. It reminded me, did anyone, anyone else do like diorama projects in, uh, in like elementary yes. middle school? Yes, sure. Yeah. The, that whole setup yes. which brought me back to like setting, like, you know, creating all these like little dioramas. Before this, did we know that the restaurant was called The Kelp? No, no, no I think this they, is the first time. Yeah. Which, not a very good name. Terrible name. Gotta say. No, yeah. What is kelp? Stinky, smelly, washes up on the beach. It's trash. Um, it's, it's trash. Pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool, like, in the ocean, but everywhere else it's just, like, slimy, stinky stuff. And I don't want to eat food that's <laughs> slimy and stinky. So I think he yeah. needs to take that one back to the drawing board, which is fortunate because he just destroyed his entire vision for his... And again, I mean, just the fact that it's named the kelp and like how gross of a name that is, is just another reason that I think this writer's room, it's all a first draft. They're like, yeah, the kelp, whatever. Like, let's not think about it. Move forward. <laughs> um, okay. And then also, um, I just couldn't believe that Gail was ha- like insisting that Dawson stay for this confession. Like, this is a family I conversation was odd too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I understand. Like, I don't know. I feel like on some level, maybe it would make sense to have a family conversation at some point, but to have that level of her saying every day that I'm not uh, the last 62 days that I've been apart from you, I've been fucking this other dude, like in front of your son, that's so traumatic for him. It made me really mad. It was like, dude, that's fucked up. But again, this isn't the real world. This is the hypersexualized world. This is Sin City, baby, where this is probably normal for every character that lives in this universe. The Dawson's Creek world is just filled with people that only talk about sex. And isn't it interesting that in a few scenes we get Jen confronting hypersexualization, which I will save for when we get there, but isn't it interesting? So interesting. Very interesting. Cody, tell me it's interesting. On an interesting out of interesting, I'm going to say it's pretty interesting. Yes, fuck yeah. Well, any other notes here? Okay, cool. Let's take it to our second commercial break. We will catch you on the flip side. I don't want to wait for you, the number one Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast fan, to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. I really don't want to wait, and you can make me the happiest idiot in Capeside High if you did those three simple tasks. Rating five stars. Now that's something, pal. 
I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Wait, what's that? A review? What a sweet gesture. And wow, I can't believe it. You subscribed. Now you have truly won me over. Now our lives don't have to be over. We come back to Mitch, who looks as though his microchip has totally fried. He urges Dawson to get more batteries and ushers him out of the room while scrambling around for a lantern. Gail starts crying and tries to get something out of Mitch, who in turn shines his flashlight right in her face and exclaims, you don't get to cry like some Lynchian nightmare. He leaves and human garbage can Grams enters to see if Gail's okay, to which she says, everything's fine. Yeah, this is where I felt like the episode was about to turn into a horror movie and we were yes. going to see, like, the power has been cut. It's not actually that it went out, it's that it's been cut. And what's that? The, the like, the uh, fire axe in the, in, the, in the emergency display has been removed? Oh, no, I wonder who has it. You know, it just, it felt like it was going to take a wild turn. And it did, but then just as quickly as it takes that turn, it's just like, Let's pretend that didn't happen. We don't have a madman in the house right now, wildly <laughs> pointing flashlights in people's faces. Yeah, it was really disturbing. I know that going into this show, the one thing I knew is that one of the episodes was going to be like a horror movie. Yeah. Like it was like a special fun Halloween episode. So for a second I thought, is this going to be it? Is this where Mitch goes on a killing spree? Yeah, it felt like it. It felt like we were about to get that. I was, I was a little bit scared. He actually was scary. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is like when you were talking about that we see different sides of characters that we did. This, it was just like a 180 for him. Like he's become super aggressive and, you know, shoves this flashlight in her face. Like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he physically threatens her later. Yeah. But yeah. Th I, this is five. I mean, yeah, I guess it's early in the show. This is the fifth episode. But every moment that we've seen of Mitch before this has been horny fun dad. Like yeah. nothing about his him has screamed maniac or a possible murderer. Back at Tamara's place, she blames her clumsiness for her and Pacey having fallen in such an intimate position earlier that day. She proposes uh, to play some games to wait out the storm, and Doug uses this as an opportunity to play the if game, which is not a game that exists, <laughs> during which Tamara explains why she moved to Cape Side as a means to leave her ex-husband in New York. Pacey, once again wanting to make his brother appear gay, using dated stereotypes, asks Doug what Broadway musical would he star in if possible. Mm -hmm. Doug chooses a character from West Side Story, which he and Tamara bond over, infuriating sad 15-year-old Pacey. Yeah, yet again, yeah. I felt uh, very triggered because I was in musical theater as a kid, and that was very much used as evidence for why I was gay, despite the fact that I was not gay, and that was used to tease and mock me for a long time. So I was like, I get it, Doug. I get it. You're allowed to like West Side Story and still be a straight man. It doesn't actually have any impact on you. And um, I would say choose a, a better role to uh to act out in your dreams though tony from west side story i mean i guess i guess the 90s but like come on there's other there's better stuff there's better stuff for you to do i mean i also think this is a, a product of the writer's room having never seen a broadway musical yeah. or anything yeah. They're like what's, what's what's a musical what's, what's, a what's, what's popular well, there's cats yeah. okay um well maybe not that one rent no <laughs> let's not do that one either okay um West Side Story? It would have been so much sicker if Doug was like, I always wanted to be Mr. Mistopheles yeah. from Cats. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to see them bond over that. And then maybe we get a scene of them in, like, cat makeup. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. Tamara's like, I'm such a rum-tum-tugger. 
Oh man, I wish. This is the this is what we need. Can we get a fan cut of that, please? <laughs> What's the if game? <laughs> the if game is disgusting. Oh okay. He just made it up to get to know Tam tomorrow. It, and it was also described in the most horny yeah. way possible. It's like, I'm gonna ask you a question. <laughs> and it's gonna be like <sighs> If you could only do one thing for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, it's just like, why are you so horned up talking about this? And also in front of your little brother. Like, this yeah. is not the place to be laying on the moves. It felt like he was doing it to annoy Pacey, mm. as if maybe he could tell that Pacey liked his teacher, um, which I'm probably really reading too far in. But I just felt like he was so, so creepy in this moment, the way that he was portraying this this game. Now, to be fair, we don't know Doug too well. This could be just the way that he regularly describes games. Before, I mean, in the deleted yeah. scene, uh, did you guys catch the deleted scene on YouTube when he's describing no. how to play Monopoly? No. no. He's like, what? Yeah, oh, you didn't see what? this? He's like, are you joking? No, no, he's no, 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 he's, yeah, he's like, you play a greedy capitalist <laughs> and you're just buying up the market, baby. You're just taking all that cash. Look at that fat stick in your pocket, baby. I bet you want to get that hotel. <laughs> It felt to me when like you're in a group, we were like in a group and people are like, people don't know each other. And they're like, let's play never have I ever. Yeah. Like that's how it felt. It was like, let's like play this ridiculous made up game that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to play the if game ever. No. Like, well, sorry. I planned out your birthday party <laughs> and that's what we're doing. Oh, dang. All right. Well. It's my house. We can play what I want. Yeah. Also, Doug calls uh, Pacey a clumsy idiot, pinhead imbecile, and the family embarrassment. So more to explain why Pacey is the way he is, because yeah, so he he's is constantly bullied. I yeah. hope we find out that his three sisters are also cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. Uh, they used him as target practice. Every scene at Tammy's house really feels like it's a deleted scene from Twin Peaks. I don't know if anybody <laughs> else got that vibe. Yeah. It's yeah. super weird. Yeah. Did you guys notice her furniture? No. No. Uh, seashell pattern couch and oh. chairs, two chairs and an entire couch that's like white with like big beautiful seashells all over it. Ridiculous. Resort life. Yeah. The, I mean, the and first. Oh, no. And curtains, like full, full length curtains ceiling to floor match the couch and the two chairs and it's all seashell pattern well the first time we ever saw her place i think didn't we talk about how the wicker furniture yeah, yeah. everything just feels like a like a really cheap hotel mm -hmm. on the beach and i mean it's her entire house it's just yes. one aesthetic right she had to have bought it furnished oh, it's yeah. gotta be it seems weird like it seems like a vacation house yeah. so it's like totally. weird that that's like her Home. We also find out in this scene that and Tamara's from New York. I don't know if we knew that before, and that she the was married, city. has the dysfunctional ex-husband. Mm -hmm. So uh there's the episode where Joey had fallen in love with that strange boy that was coming through town, and his parents are rich and they're going around buying antiques. We don't think that maybe his dad is Tamara's ex-husband <gasps> yes. who's remarried. Love that. Yeah. I love that headcanon. Totally. We never meet his parents. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Interesting. At Dawson's, Bodie and Bessie are still having their argument over their unborn child circumcision. Bessie says that at this point, they don't even know what the sex of their kiddo is. And Grams, with her hound dog racist nose smelling <laughs> blood in the air, excitedly uses this as her in to say that people won't even know if their child will be black or white and that she objects to them being too young to have kids and that their child will be labeled as different. Bessie says that no matter what, their kid will be loved wholeheartedly. 
Um, please tell me you got the sound yes. clip. Uh, was it uh, Bodie saying a million babies are circumcised oh, yeah. every year? Let's listen to that right now. A million babies are circumcised every year. It's a human rights issue. It's a harsh and barbaric example of child abuse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the way- <laughs> is that how the scene starts? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's hard cut to that yes. mid sentence. Yeah. And and also what I love about this is Bodie and Bessie are talking about that where? Oh, maybe two steps behind the couch in the living room, just in the middle of the house. <laughs> Everybody have a little slice of this conversation. Why not? I know it's like a very like intimate yeah. conversation yeah. that you should be having. Like it's been carrying out through the whole day, like from yeah. when they were at their house all the way through the day. Like yeah. Like, honey, yeah, now is the right time to talk, yeah. talk about do you, this. Do you think we should have our child circumcised, honey? Well, I don't know. It, it kind of feels a little bit strange. Hey, what do you think, racist grandma who lives <laughs> next door? <laughs> Remember The Sixth Sense, how the kind of ghost logic they, they have in that movie is that ghosts are kind of just like reenacting a really intense yeah. moment of their lives, uh, regardless of who is around them. I feel like everyone in Dawson's Creek is dead <laughs> and they're all just like doing these things Ooh. without a care in the world of yeah. who's around them. Everyone is haunting each other. Interesting. I, you know, I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love vampires and I love ghosts, but you know, what we never see vampire ghosts. Oh shit. That's a good point. Did you get the clip of Bodie calling Grams out? No, I, I well, actually moment. I should say I did, but I ended up trimming it back because I ended up clipping basically every line of dialogue from this scene okay. and then ended up pulling it back to just this. So no, I didn't, but man, I was, yeah, I was excited for, and for that she's moment. off and Bodie, running. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and the other line, which I can, yeah, I don't have he it. said, which do you object to more yes. Mrs. Ryan that I'm black and she's white or that we're unmarried and about to have a child in sin. <laughs> yeah. She yeah, really is just a, <laughs> such a bag of shit. Like, yeah. yeah. Also, like, who is she calling a child? Because I, I just looked up their age, and Bessie is supposed to be 25, which at that, like, back then, like, mid 20s, having kids was not out of, like, was not odd, you know? Like, and, and even, like, for when I'm sure when Grams is young, it, you, people had kids oh, yeah. even younger. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell if she's trying to say, like, like, like in, to a literal extent, their age is too young to have a child, or if she thinks that their behavior is too childish yeah, to have a child. Well, yeah, but, but even then, even they're characters that own a restaurant together, <laughs> and uh, they are doing very well for themselves. They so have like, a nice house. Like, yeah. yeah. Also, remember how her mother died when she was young, and the dad is kind of out of the picture. It really, I really get the picture that Joey was raised by Bessie more than she was raised by her family. So. Mm-hmm. Actually, it seems like she's got some experience with this whole child rearing thing. Mm-hmm. Graham's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And also she doesn't even like know them. Like, because like yeah. earlier, like they're introduced. So it's like, who are you to be calling him a child when you don't yeah. even know him? Well, it's because he recommended only, a recipe. Wait, is she only calling Bodhi a child? <laughs> That's what my impression was. I thought, yeah. it, was oh, both I thought it was both of them. Because she just kind of vaguely says... Like when children raise children. Yeah. That was like the quote. The, yeah, but so, I, I agree but I, with yeah. Stella. Her, her, like her rage seems to be focused more on Bodie than Bessie. She remember, cause when Bodie gives her feedback on it, Bessie redirects by saying the chicken was delicious. And Graham's looks like, okay, thank you for noticing how good my food was. Mm-hmm. So she's really disappointed slash sensitive about any kind of interaction with Bodie because she's racist. Yeah. Well, Bessie loves my boiled chicken. Yeah. Outside Dawson's, 
Jen enters their covered porch area thing to have a cigarette, and she spots Joey chilling by her lonesome, who's staring at Mitch Leary sitting in a suburban, possibly contemplating a murder spree. <laughs> they share the cigarette while Jen vents about Dawson being cold to her, and Joey thinks it's a mix of him venting his frustrations over his mom's affair mixed with his usual shallow outlook on human behavior. But more importantly, the women of Dawson's Creek use this as an opportunity to take a guess on how fat of a hog Dawson has swinging between his legs. <laughs> Joey's face contorts into a mix of salivated pleasure and grotesque whimsy, saying she thinks he's above average. This is, again, an example of this show being a fantasy of a child. This is exactly what teenage boys think girls do when they're not around boys, is talk about how big my hog could be. <laughs> like... Don't they have anything better to do? Like, I don't know. Talk about what's actually going on. Why are they immediately just like, so do you think he's packing a pistol or a rifle? <laughs> yeah, I had, ma- I had made a joke uh, a couple episodes ago about how they uh, fail the Bechdel test every time. And yeah. this continues that. Like, when are they ever going to have a conversation that isn't just about boys? It's absurd. Also, how cool is it that kids are smoking cigarettes? Yeah. Okay. But what's really funny is the when we first watched this, Cody and I, um, we somehow missed Jen smoking the cigarette and just saw Joey Mm -hmm. smoking the cigarette. So we were like, it was just like all of a sudden Joey was smoking a cigarette, and we were like, "What the fuck? Joey's smoking!" But then when on our rewatch, we both realized that it was Mm -hmm. Jen who had. We don't see the handoff. Like, it uh-uh. would have been cool to see, like, you know, Jen walk out and then she, like, hands it to Joey. But we don't see that. You just... It's very subtle. It's, it's very, very su- weird, yeah, subtle. I think it was, like, the maybe the motion, but we didn't... They didn't show it. You see Joey's so, arm coming down from right, the handoff, yeah. but you don't see the handoff itself. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, I, I didn't... I honestly didn't notice the cigarettes at all, probably. I, I think Mal had mm-hmm. to point it out to me. And it is really strange to see children smoking cigarettes i mean they're they're 15 like they they're they're well before the age of smoking cigarettes but it's the 90s baby so why not let's just have them smoking a a little a little cigarette there and you know jen came from new york she's you know yeah big city she's she's smoking i I appreciate it because (laughs) i i'm a former smoker and i started smoking cigarettes when i was 15 so i I was like yeah kind of realistic yeah, I don't. I, I thought it was kind of realistic. I mean, well, sure. I feel like a lot of totally. people did smoke. I didn't, but like, it wasn't uncommon. I don't think it was cool to see representation yeah. cool. for smokers. Yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, like one thing is that this show is owned by the Warner Brothers, and they recently, like in the last like five or six years, said that they'll no longer feature smoking tobacco products in any of their movies. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. There's something very, I don't, I'm not condoning cigarette smoking. It's horrible. I quit for a reason, but it is very cinematic. Yes. Uh, yeah. It gives people something to do with their hands, which no one knows how to act with their hands. Mm-mm. And uh, smoke just looks cool on film. So it does. But it's interesting that in this shot, we don't actually see them smoke. They're just holding no. cigarettes basically, which is why I didn't notice it. They yeah. never like take a drag. They never exhale smoke. So it, it feels very, the, artificial like why why do we why are we including this? yeah also i feel like if you were watching it at the time i bet a lot of people didn't notice it because like for us we can go back and be like wait is she holding a cigarette versus like watching it you know in the 90s i bet i bet a lot of people didn't notice it so like it was kind of a funny little thing that 
almost wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's so casual that it's yeah. not even there. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's it, like I said, it was invisible to me. I did not notice until it was pointed out to me. I probably would have picked it up on my, one of my rewatches, but. You know, it wasn't invisible to me. That big old cock conversation. Yeah. And Joey, like <laughs> awkward. The, the, it ends, the scene ends on like a five second shot of Joey just being like, the face that she makes is so weird and like also jen does this weird thing with her mouth and tongue when she talks about it and it's so annoying it's like is she trying to are you referencing when she says like oh you did think about this and then she's like yeah it's so weird but i think a lot of it is (laughs) the adr yes oh Oh, yeah yeah. that's such a big part of it because Mm -hmm. it's like they were trying to figure out what they had been doing. Exactly. I bet she was like, oh, you have been thinking about it. Ha ha. Or something like that. But then she like couldn't remember what she said. So, it, looks- she, <laughs> so it just looks really weird because she just says. Yeah. It yeah. looks like one of those like bad lip reading. Definitely. Because Kitty Holtz is just like. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. a few times at the end of the scene. She's yeah. like, I've been thinking about his pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, I can't, I think it's like right after the cigarette is like handed over, you see, you can see Katie Holmes's mouth moving and no oh. dialogue happening in for like a, like a second. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but I thought that was fun. Yeah. I didn't understand the point of this scene in general. It could, it honestly should have been cut. I think yeah. they just did it because they needed more minutes in the episode. So Dawson is in his dad's office workspace area cleaning up the architectural model for the aquatic theme park. When Grams comes in to help, they find themselves bonding over the shared thematic sentiments of both Frank Capra and Steven Spielberg. She says an important lesson from those films is the theme of second chances, forgiveness, which clicks with our titular hero. I'd like to point out that you did just say aquatic theme park. (laughs) (laughs) Did I say aquatic theme park? You did, but that sounds fun too. I mean, like, Maybe that's Why where not? he takes it. Yeah. After after the mm-hmm. slide off the table, maybe he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Casa Bonita. Doesn't Casa Bonita have rides in it? The hell is Casa, Casa Bonita? Bonita? Casa Bonita? Yeah. It's it's a it's like a family fun center uh I think it's in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. What? <laughs> wait. <laughs> Casa Bonita. I am just curious where this came from (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a restaurant slash theme park casa bonita okay Ah! (laughs) (laughs) but i'm just saying i'm I'm wondering if this is going to be a restaurant slash theme park like casa bonita that's why i brought it up okay i love it (laughs) i love it i go hey it's okay (laughs) okay. it's christ is there there a submarine ride there (laughs) no it looks like you can go swimming though Oh man, nothing says getting some oysters in the half show <laughs> like taking a dip in the pool, baby. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, are you? You're not. <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, not true at all. <laughs> Again, this podcast is uh, all just a big fat joke to make me look like an idiot. But uh, is it true that you're not allowed to swim after eating for 30 minutes? <laughs> yes, the police will stop you. <laughs> Yeah, Deputy Dougie Deputy is going to come you. you. I mean, if he'll pull a gun out and put it in your face over flirting with someone, he'll, yeah, Jesus Christ. Now, I know we're about to move on to the next scene again. I just like to hang on to the last second before I say anything. But, of course, Dawson would, like, enjoy getting advice from Grams here, right? Like, who who would Dawson listen to? An old white person 
Mm-hmm. Especially an old white person who hates him <laughs> and an old white person who is a film buff. Oh my yes. God. Who better? Okay. So I wondered about this because like they don't, those two don't know each other very well. So I was trying to figure out like, was Graham just like sharing this wisdom because, or does she know that Dawson loves movies? Yeah. Good question. Well, huh? I'm sure Maybe, Jen has yeah, said something. Jen's probably mentioned it. I mean, um, you're Grams, and you ask, you ask Jen, what's he like? Jen goes, I don't know. He likes movies. It's <laughs> yeah. the only thing he talks about. So right. That's Grams being like, I know what to tell this boy. Well, don't Frank for, Capra. Yeah, don't forget it, that that Dawson also came to her house and said, hey, I'm not a sex-crazed teenager. <laughs> yeah. Okay, That's so true. she knows that too. He's, he also is not a sex-crazed teenager. But it just, it just seemed like the message that she gave to him about forgiveness in these movies seemed to resonate so strongly with him that it, I don't know. It just seemed like weird to me that yeah. she was able to connect with him on such mm-hmm. a in, intense level. Well, she was, she was using the language that he knows. Movies, no, I know, right? but it's right. just like, okay, was that just luck that she, well, I bet, my guess is, remember where this first initial interaction happens? It happens in the workroom, which, as we see, is really only partitioned off from the rest of the house by double glass doors. So, <laughs> yeah. And they're all in the living room, which is in the main floor. So they're just in there talking about Bodie and Bessie's baby getting circumcised, and all of a sudden they hear about how Miss Manmeat <laughs> has been having sex every second of every day when she's not at home. So I bet Grams is just like, God damn, this poor kid. I got to do something because <laughs> yeah. this is fucked up. Yeah. Doesn't he say mm-hmm. something to her like at the beginning of their conversation? He's like, you heard, huh? Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh, yes. I heard it all. Yeah. Why does she so, talk like she is a Stephen King character? She's, yeah, it's the, it's she, the mid-Atlantic yeah. Catherine uh, yes. Hepburn accent. She yeah. just was wrapped shooting on Pet Cemetery, and <laughs> she came over here. <laughs> we go back to... Tamara's where they're playing Monopoly. Tamara and Doug are continuing to hit it off with her shared love of Broadway musicals. Doug asks her out on a date, to which Tamara turns him down, saying that she knows he's gay and insists that Pacey didn't tell her because she has good gaydar. In an attempt to prove his heteronormativity, Doug pulls out his police-issued phallic-looking pistol and aims it at Pacey's face, exclaiming that Pacey must tell Tamara that he is straight. Uh, That'll convince anyone. Yeah. Uh, Pacey... Uh, quells Tamara's fear over the introduced gun, saying he does this all the time (laughs) and admits that Doug is not gay. Doug holsters the weapon and they get back to their fun evening. Oh, Doug should not be a cop, right? We can all agree here. Anybody, I feel like anybody, even the back of the blue people should look at this and be like, yeah, this guy shouldn't have a, shouldn't have a gun. (laughs) Yeah. This entire family has thin blue line stickers in their cars. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh, he does this all the time. Yeah, he does. This. Yeah, does this stuff all the time. Well, his family of cops, they they must all do this. <laughs> yeah, pulling guns on yeah. each other. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want the dark meat. <laughs> I'm not gay. Oh, no, I'm not gay. No, I'm I not gay. I found it interesting that like the that we uh, in the scene with Jen and Joey, they're referencing guns, and then here's another gun. Ooh, like. So Love uh, the twist and turn. I'm curious, yeah. where would you rather be, Stella? Would you rather be in the Leary household 
with oh, conversations of God. circumcision and adultery, or would you rather be in the Jacob's household where you might have a gun pointed at your head? <laughs> I think uh, the Leary household. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It'd be fun to hang out with Jen, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's true. There's space. You can kind of go like just play Jaws in the closet if you want to. Exactly. Or you you could be in the truck with Mr. Leary. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Listening to R.E.M. Or play with (laughs) play with the kelp uh, set. Is that where you'd be Dawson? Or Dawson? (laughs) (laughs) Cody, I'm so sorry. I think Dawson would rather be in the the other household. (laughs) I'd be in my bedroom watching the television programs. Cody, would you be at the Leary household too, or would you be at the uh, the the Jacobs home? I'd be I'd be Joey in the fetal position in the closet, <laughs> just wait, wait, hoping that no one notices me, and then it'll all blow over. Mal, are where are you going to be? Leary household. So I'm the only person over at Miss really? Jacobs' house. Yes, dude, I love playing board games. I love a good board game night, and there is, in my opinion, few things better than a really stormy disgusting night out and playing a board game especially if you've got a fire going so but there was something do you think that the leary household would have yeah, a better dude. selection of board games true, true, true. you think so yes yes it's not a monopoly just fan. if you look yeah, at their house sucks. i feel like you could there's like lots of fun stuff in there and you could find where yeah, the board game like, cupboard um, is and get some good you know like a game where you have to fuck each other like <laughs> A game where you have to like take pictures of your genitals and show each other, and nah. we have to guess whose is whose. You know, when Tamara was pulling out the game, she had to taboo and in the stack, and I was like, "Well, of course they're going to play taboo because that's what mm-hmm. the show is." But I no, they're going to pull out Twister. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then Pacey and his brother kiss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so funny? All this 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 talk of you know, this proves that Doug's gay. He likes musicals or anything. You know what proves that Doug's gay? Pulling out a gun and screaming, I'm not gay. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. love, I love the dialogue of being like, did you tell her I'm gay? Did you tell her I'm gay? <laughs> <laughs> like, he, like yeah. he's done it before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is a regular occurrence between yeah. Doug and Pacey. But also like, why would Tamara say that she knows when like Pacey had said that um his parents were judgmental about it or something. Yeah. She, yeah, I mean she well, pulls because it she off has, because she has good gaydar. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't she know. Lived, it's just like why I don't know. Well, she lived in the gay district. Yeah, she apparently. should have just she could have just said there right there that oh no, I am I'm seeing, I'm seeing someone. someone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. This show is so weird. Yeah. This I mean this really is the episode that every scene while watching it, I was like, can't get any worse. And then, <laughs> and then another scene happens and I go, oh, oh no, can't get any worse. It can, and it did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of scenes getting worse, Mitch is still sitting in the driver's seat of a Suburban and Gail pops in. He guesses that it's Bob that she's been sleeping with and then talks about how the first time he met her, he made a decision right then and there to love her. He says that that love has lasted, but... This time, he's taking it back, and now he chooses to hate her. He yells at her to get out of the car and threatens to physically remove her from it. She gets out, standing alone in the pouring rain as he drives off. Yeah, so thankfully now I have this clip. I choose to hate you now. (laughs) (laughs) Felt like it was, you know, like when kids fight. Like, I choose to hate you now. I hate you. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. You know? This show is written by people that don't know anything about love or relationships in general, because I love that they're trying to say that for Mitch, a grown man, uh, his whole idea of what love is is something that you just choose. Yeah. And it's like, 
I knew that day that I chose it, and I've stuck with that choice. But now I've taken back that choice. I do not choose it. Yeah, what is it with the leery <laughs> men <laughs> and and their ideas of love and relationships? Because both of them have a very flawed idea of what love is. It's 1998. I pick up my guitar that is uh, drop D. <laughs> I uh, put up the microphone next to my mouth, and I'm about to scream my first song. I choose hate. <laughs> the uh music in like the beginning of the scene it's like very like like sweet and soft and like yeah and then it just like sharp slow, turn slowly shifts it's <laughs> after the thunderclap yeah and then we get the yeah but it's just like why this whole dog and pony show of mr leary um like setting up the romance like i don't know it just seems like a very weird way he wants to twist the mm-hmm. knife yeah. he wants to make her hurt like she made him hurt i guess but it is so performative, yeah. you know. What was that friend's name? That Persephone or yeah, and he like, he Quasimodo. Like, <laughs> or... He like touches her face. Yeah, he's just like right. setting it yeah, up it's... to be like this like romantic yep. story. Mm-hmm. He's just... giving her hope just to snatch it away, and it it's like that that switch flip in the other scene, you know. And then he just gets so aggressive, like. I don't know. Well, this this show isn't written for the characters. I feel like they're writing the show for the audience and only the audience because that was that scene was only written for the twist of him to say, "I choose hate. I'm going to drag you out of this car. Get out." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh I I do think that Miss Leary looks absolutely terrible. Yes. yes. Like She's clearly just been standing in the rain for like six hours waiting for Mr. Leary to unlock his car. I, I like the idea that she's just been standing outside of his car like, let me in, please. Please let me in. Stop listening to cake. Let me in, please. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for her here. He was terrifying. I like. I feel terrible just in general for Mary Margaret Humes, who played Gail, because she probably had to stand yeah. under Looks some so shower cool. for an hour to yeah. look yes. like yeah. that. I had thought about that a few times in this episode when we see her soaking wet. I was just like, this poor woman. Yeah. But um, was this the scene where we get that close-up of her face where she's like sobbing? Ah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like so mm-hmm. jarring. Yeah. Yeah, it's after he the says, second, I choose hate now. Yeah. yeah. The first time we get that is when she he shines the flashlight on her right. face. And then I think we get it again yeah. in this scene. Do you have uh, the power and technology to do the clip of I choose hate now and then the ah? Yeah. Back Watch up. me work. I choose to hate you now. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Music to my ears. <laughs> Love it. So after this happens, he, you know, he screams at her, you better get out of the car before I beat the shit out of you and leave you for dead, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and And she steps out of the car and then he just like speeds off. Where does he go? You know, it's the, the fucking hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's yeah. open. Also, He's the, not going to go to a bar. Where's he going? The best part about this is that we do not know how long this episode <laughs> takes place. Is this a day? Is this a week? This could have been a year that they've been in this house. If Kevin Williamson was like, oh, yeah, it took place over uh, 10 years. Yeah. It's like that would make just as much sense as this took place over the course of two hours. <laughs> like insane. Where did he go? Uh, it's weird. Anybody have any final thoughts before we take our uh, final commercial break here? All right, sweet. Well, um, we will be back on the other side. Hey, you Creek Freaks. Stella here. Did you know the number one way you can help us grow is by telling your friends about the show? 
New shows like ours thrive on the power of word of mouth, which is why I'm here now asking you to please tell a friend about Freaks and Creeks. They don't even need to watch Dawson's Creek. It sure didn't stop us. Thanks for listening and for sharing the good word. Now back to the episode. And we're back. Well, some time has passed. How much time? No one knows. And we get a quick little vignette of the townies pulling down the boards from Capeside Shops as audio of Bob's newscast is played non-diegetically, stating that the storm is over. I have a one quick thing about this very brief scene. Mm-hmm. There's a shot on the board of a crossed out mm-hmm. Chris. Yes. Yes. I love that. Fuck you, no Hurricane Chris. Chris. You can't fuck with Cape Side. <laughs> the storm was long enough for them to put the boards up. Yeah. Someone. T- <laughs> one person that. graffitied that. <laughs> I think the yeah. town owes Gramps a big thank you for keeping them all safe because clearly <laughs> nothing really happened because of his watchful eye. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, at Tamara's, Doug is taking down the boards from her windows and he apologizes for pulling out a gun and threatening <laughs> to murder Pacey over questioning <laughs> his sexuality. She laughs it off with a breezy smile and he once again asks if she'd want to go out sometime. With a knowing twinkle in her eye, she declines, <laughs> saying that she's already seeing someone. Pacey lights up like a kid in a candy store as he and Doug leave, while Tamara shakes her head, smiling as though thinking, oh, boys will be boys. Okay, so yeah, here's where we, we hear um, her say it's been an interesting day. Yeah. So we know that the storm has been right. less than 24 mm-hmm. hours. Um, <laughs> and then he says, sorry about the gunplay, and she responds with, Hey. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> cops will be cops. And then he proceeds to ask her out. Yeah. Like, like in the same I've breath. Pulled out a gun in your house, but. The only <laughs> thing she knows about this man is that when he's kind of angry, he is willing to pull a yeah. gun out and put it at your face. <laughs> Back at the Leary household, Dawson sneaks a peek of his mom sitting on the front porch, soaking wet in deep contemplation. He closes the door on her and is confronted by Jen about his bad attitude. She details her New York sex life, how she was drinking heavily and being taken advantage of at the age of 12. The straw that broke the camel's back was her being caught having sex with someone in her parents' bed. She tells Dawson she isn't that girl anymore, but she's far from perfect, and he's just going to have to accept it. And finally, Dawson apologizes to her, admitting that it's his fault for being too judgmental. She doesn't apologize for her past and accepts that it's made her who she is now but wants to have a new chapter with Dawson being a part of it. He says his behavior has been irredeemable and that he doesn't deserve someone as incredible as her. And to that, they embrace. Yeah, this was tough. We basically find out that she was raped. Yeah. yeah. And that her parents have sent her, have punished her for something that wasn't her fault. Yeah. You and know, I would sending just... her away and not like getting her therapy or, right. you know. Getting her any kind of yeah. help. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of called this, Mal, when we were talking about this episode or about her kind of background last in the last episode. You were like, yeah, I think she kind of like it was too early for her to be making these kinds of decisions. And it comes to we come to find out it was too she was not consciously choosing to have sex Mm -hmm. so young. And she even goes on to say she was sexualized way too young and that sex at such a young age is often a really bad idea. So we get a little bit of uh, moralism here coming from Jen's mouth. And uh, I do find it interesting that Dawson chooses not to acknowledge anything 
she says, whatsoever. There is no recognition in his mind of the fact that she just was honest with him about her mm-hmm. reality and her situation and instead is like, oh, but it's actually about me. Don't you understand? It's actually about me and my hangups. It's not about you and your past, which I felt was very typical Dawson. Well, here's the thing. They did the most softball approach to this conversation that they possibly could. She never says that she was sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. Instead, everything is like tiptoeing around it just to be like, I was having sex. Don't really remember doing it, though. I was drinking a lot. I don't do that anymore. My dad doesn't like the fact that I was having sex. I'm here now. And it's like they never really explicitly say anything. And they do make it more like this like vague like oh, I got into drinking and the sex w- just happened, but they're not they're not going to like actually talk about anything, right. which is really yeah. frustrating. And I think it's just, it's a product of 90s television. Yes. And that's why. Yeah. I don't know. The, the only reason that I'm not going as hard into Dawson is the the fact that like for him, he's taking everything that she's saying out of that, like everything is 100% accurate and they're not ever going to like reach that conversation about being sexually assaulted as a minor He's just taking it as like, oh, that's awful that she drank a lot and got into like weird stuff. And now she's here. I mean, Dawson still sucks, but at the same time, it's like Mm -hmm. the limitations of how he can accept what she's saying is the only way that like makes his reaction okay to me. Yeah, he does show a little, I feel like he did show a little bit of like a sense of understanding. Like he kind of, when they show his face, he's kind of like, has that look of like, oh, shit. Okay. You know, it's definitely heavy for him. Yeah. Yeah. It only um, gets like really bad when he's like, "You're the most beautiful, intelligent." Right. Like that. It's like, yeah. oh, now we're back to like children talking mm-hmm. to each other. Prepared lines. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, I'm just happy that Dawson is actually apologizing for something, even if he's not fully in to his apology. At least mm-hmm. he's having some kind of awareness that's making him like start to self-actualize a little bit. While Tamara is still taking down her storm prep, Pacey swings back around to hang. He asks her if she could redo anything in her life. What would it be? To which he responds that, oh, to which she would respond that she wouldn't have married her ex-husband. When she asks Pacey, he says he wished he was an older man so he could (laughs) tell the world that he's falling in love with her. He embraces her from behind, proclaiming his jealousy of every man that has ever been in her life. Tamara rightfully says that they're getting sloppy with their outward affection and it's getting far too dangerous. As if not hearing her, Pacey asks her if she could do anything right now, what would it be? To which she smiles and pulls him into the house to have sex. Yeah, Pacey puts his red flags just right out on display right here. He knows that she is a victim of domestic abuse from her previous abusive ex-husband, and he's just like, yeah, well, I'm jealous of any fucking dude who's ever seen you ever in your entire life. I want to kill them all. And don't you dare look at him. (laughs) But this is... I, I thought this was the first time that we actually hear Miss um, Jacobs say that her husband was abusive. Yeah. Like she's kind of referred to the relationship being dysfunctional, not healthy, but this is the first time that she says mm-hmm. it was an abusive relationship. And I mean, maybe she and Pacey have talked about it before, but Pacey doesn't <laughs> acknowledge it at all. No, no, okay. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, this is also another one of those product of the 90s moments because what's the first descriptor for her ex-wife or her ex-husband? That he's fat. He's oh, a yeah. fat, yeah, abusive ex-husband. Like, why? Okay, why? cool. So are those two <laughs> things related right. or? Did they say that he was into stocks or something? Yeah, yeah stocks. She stock says, broker. married. Uh, well, I wouldn't have married an abusive fat stock stockbroker. 
yeah. is what the loan is. But yeah, well, like Sweet. why? Who also why? collects antiques, maybe? <laughs> right. mm, maybe. But yeah, y- yikes, Saru, that uh, mm-hmm. PC says falling in love. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Yeah, uh, for indeed. sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've already talked at length about how we all hate this, uh, but the relationship is so interesting to me because, again, they're playing it as if this is like a, a denied romance, a Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're getting too sloppy. They'll discover totally. us. But isn't that the part that turns you on the most? It's like... It's very film noir, like star-crossed yeah. lovers were destined to be together, but society is keeping us from being together, kind of a kind of a story and um yeah society is keeping you apart because it's illegal like <laughs> <laughs> so after what we can only assume was mitch blowing off some steam earlier we thought maybe he just drove around the block uh he comes back home to find gail sitting on the front porch he asks her why she had an affair and she tells him that she was basically bored and restless since her life had turned out exactly the way she wanted it she wanted to want again and achieve something, and that thing ended up being Bob. But now, after the house of cards has fallen, she just wants back everything she's lost. As she begins to apologize, Mitch gives her a couple <laughs> and says he's done talking and they should just sit in it. I did notice on the note of how long this, this storm was, it is evening now because the storm's gone and it was getting dark. The sun's going down. Oh, that's why it's golden. So I made that note. So mm. yeah. Okay. See, I took that golden light as if it were morning, but you're totally right. Yeah. It must be sunset rather sun than sunrise. Yeah. I thought it looked like that Gail was covered in confetti or streamers the way that yes. like, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the stuff that all screen, over the It's like there's screen. like a screen with debris on it. Maybe yeah. she's yeah. covered in kelp. Oh, <laughs> Ooh. Um, but I also love that when she's talking about her wonderful life, she says that she has the most gifted child. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I was like, huh? He truly is the most average person on earth. <laughs> also, I, here's the thing. She says that her life turned out the way that she wanted it to, but less than 20 minutes ago, she said that she wanted to become a big time news anchor or talk show host like Diane Sawyer, Barbara Walters. So this show has already forgotten like the reasons as to why she wanted to have an affair within the same script. Like you're writing this script, you look at it again, it's a parent texting and just not looking (laughs) at what they're sending. It is absurd. Yeah. Uh, Did anybody else just think that, when Mr. Leary shushes her, he's just about to fall asleep. Because that's definitely what I thought. I thought he was going to be like, shush, 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 shush. I'm trying to sleep. Just stop. I couldn't sleep in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Been driving all night. Because I, again, thought it was morning. Oh, and again, what's this knockoff Bruce Springsteen song that he's rolling up to? Healing Hands by Mark Cohn. And yeah, it, it feels like it's uh, it's Brucey boy about to, to walk us through uh, rock and roll in the USA or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wonder about the music in the show. Like, I don't know. In some episodes, it feels like it's very, um, the music is like catered more towards teens. And then like there are times where they play songs like this, where it was like, oh, are we trying to also like cater the show to adults? Like, I, I don't know. It's like, is this supposed to be like a family show? <laughs> Not <laughs> a show to watch. I really feel like the moral of this story is anger, anger angled more at the adults that are watching this show because it feels like the the 
ultimate moral of this episode, perfection obtained is an unsettling thing, right? Like grass is always greener. Once you get the things you want, you're actually not any happier than you were when you wanted those things. It just makes you want more because now you've achieved those things. And that feels like something that won't resonate with teens. I I wouldn't have understood this episode, I don't think, as much as a teen as I would now watching it at like 65 years old or whatever I am. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's it's dealing with issues that only adults would really connect yeah, with. Uh, right. Also, so like, are we supposed to think, I mean, we don't know anything about the future, but it, with Dawson's dad going, ah, shush, 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 <laughs> does that just mean that this storyline is basically over? That's what I thought. Like, is this all wrapped up already? Uh, uh, I don't think I don't so. Think, yeah. I bet we'll see a couple scenes of him sleeping on the couch or I something think, like that. You know, there'll be some tension at home, but I do yeah. feel like this is our way of seeing, okay, he's willing to brush this under Or he's the just rug. like, I don't want to talk about it anymore right now. Like, you know, just yeah. let's just sit here in silence. <laughs> yeah, because if we think back to in the suburban, he doesn't say I don't love you anymore. He says I don't want to love you anymore. I choose to hate you. I'm interpreting that as like this moment where he shushes her is him kind of succumbing to his own like, OK, well, I, I can't just stop loving you. This is too difficult for me. Let's stop talking about this because I choose to hate you. Um <laughs> I choose to hate you. There we go. That's the one. Um, this can't like, uh, I, this show is not good. And <laughs> I feel like this, this will never get picked up again. If that, I will not be surprised if the next episode, they just never talk about this ever again. I can imagine it. Yeah. I yeah. wonder. And this whole affair has been handled so poorly that this whole plot line, it just like came and went. There never really anything happened from it. Nothing interesting mm-hmm. was built with it. It almost felt like that these these first few episodes were like a a prequel to Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Like it was like we're building up all this conflict for Dawson to break down like Dawson's perfect life. And now it's like all come to a head and now it feels like, okay, and now we're gonna start the show. <laughs> but like it it kind of goes along with Joey Joey's line about Dawson's life. Like, it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's almost like that's the cue where, like, here we go. You know, here's the buildup, and now we're getting into it mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, in our final scene, Dawson goes to his room and finds Joey once again curled up, but this time sitting on top of his dresser. He finally apologizes to her for being thoughtless and insensitive, and she says that she's sorry for pulling the mom card earlier. They both reflect on the existential reality of death and how that now that her mom's gone, she doesn't remember any of her mistakes. Dawson asks her how he could be a good friend to her, and she says that she just wants to put their adulthood on hold. So he drags her into the closet so they can pretend play the plot of Jaws. And we close the episode on a shot of a stuffed shark eating a toy scuba diver on Dawson's bed. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I feel like, okay, this is great that, like, Dawson has shown some growth or maturity or whatever. Um, but like that all came from Graham's giving him a lesson about <laughs> forgiveness via movies. Like, I don't know, just seemed like really weird that all of a sudden, like he's just been so, such a selfish asshole up to this point. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, advice from <laughs> the worst character in the show. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I kind of struggle with this because it feels like, again, rem- remember, 
Graham's, as you guys just pointed out, she is the person who's really delivering the moral of this story, and we're supposed to accept her wisdom because it's accurate and it makes sense. But what I find challenging with it is she's also the most problematic character in the episode, right? She's a racist. She's she's like like hyper-traditionalist. She is unwilling to see other people's perspectives. And we're supposed to just excuse all of that because like she says, forgiveness is the most important thing. She's got this wisdom and it feels very, you know, like kind of, uh, you know, it, it feels very representative, representative, representative of American political discourse, right? (laughs) Thank you, Stella. Where where we're willing to excuse the messenger if the message is okay. In this case, the message is forgiveness is the most important thing, and we'll forget the fact that you are super uncomfortable with the fact that this white woman is having a child from a black man. It's okay. Let's just brush that under the rug because you've got a good message. And it's so funny that the message is forgiveness and we don't get a scene of her begging an apology, you know, apologizing. I mean, like, holy shit, like what she did was horrible. And mm-hmm. not once do we see her self-actualize and be like, wow, maybe I was a little too racist earlier. Maybe f- we'll get that in the next episode. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. I, I feel like maybe next she'll episode be, we'll get. Uh, present for the birth. She was a nurse. So I think. Maybe I may have read uh, the uh, (laughs) the brief description of the next episode. Yeah, I just read it right now. I read (laughs) a disturbing line at the end. You'll have to read it later at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have this this clip of uh, actually, you know what? What (laughs) before I get to to my sound clip of this episode or of this scene, my favorite thing is when Dawson says, what can I do for you, Joey? I, I want to be a good friend. What, what can I do? It sounds like he's taking her order at mm-hmm. Applebee's. Yeah. What can I do for you, ma'am? Yeah. Ex- Hello, ma'am. Would you like any drinks or appetizers to get started this evening? <laughs> um, also, real quick, I just pulled up the, I was looking up the IMDb and reading like the plot for the next one, but then I had looked at Hurricane and this is the image for the episode. We'll post this on our Instagram. Cody. Oh, yeah, I saw it. It's him with the flag in his face. Yeah, oh, I saw that. beautiful. <laughs> Love that. I thought it was really silly. So what do we think the symbology is of the shark toy on his bed that's eating a scuba diver? I think it's just Jaws. That's it. Yeah. You really? I mean, I, I used to think the show knew what it was doing, but I don't think the show knows what it's doing anymore. <laughs> I think they're just like, oh, they're talking about Jaws. Let's Who's put the, the shark scuba thing. figurine? Is that, I feel like that came from, from uh, Mr. Leary's uh, totally kelp restaurant yes. and is the jaws gonna eat the scoop so is something maybe a comment on mr leary mm. is he gonna be the one that dies oh, <laughs> oh. That's, that's deep i mean okay aquatic theme park I mean, it's not a theme park it's an aquatic themed restaurant no, it's so, a theme park it's a theme park restaurant <laughs> it's an entertainment uh facility so jaws is a shark water <laughs> movie shark water water themed restaurant kelp gets eaten by shark who is the shark <laughs> it's dawson dawson is going to eat his father I, I think sharks eat kelp but i do really like the idea of a shark just like swimming around the ocean like what's that oh it's sea salad let's go eat that vegan sharks babies 
Um, well, I mean, all right, look, Jaws isn't that ultimately kind of an environmental statement, right, about humanity's encroachment into the natural world and how the natural world is going to eat or destroy humans. So in is with I think you correctly pointed out that that scuba diver is from the kelp, which is a representation of Mr. Leary. So what are we are we learning here i mean i i feel like there has to be some kind there has to be there, it can't it just was be so intentional it seems so intentional yeah. this it, show is written <laughs> by morons these but are not numb schools is so smart i really i still uh, scream yeah. as a fluke it's all an accident <laughs> yeah uh. i don't know i seriously think they're just on set and they go Hey, Jaws has a shark in it. Let's put a shark in the shot, huh? Did you get a sound clip of Dawson saying, Sheriff Brody, that's a 20-footer. Oh, you know I did. <laughs> Please I'm, play I'm it. just waiting. You guys want to hear this? We're going to need a bigger boat. Are we done? Okay, yeah. here. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and play this. Um, make sure I play the right clip. Here we go. Well, this is uh, Dawson and Joey. <laughs> okay, wait. So Dawson pulls Joey into his closet to go play Jaws, which is weird. But the path that they take is let's just over the bed. let's just walk over my bed with our shoes on. Let's cool just, teenager stuff. Yeah, Very totally. cool yeah. teenager stuff. I know I'm old because that really fucking bothered me. I was like, <laughs> "What is wrong with you, teens?" Anyway, let's take a listen. Sheriff Brody, that's a twenty footer. <laughs> Why is it think he's come back for his noon feeding? Gotta get a shot at this organ's head. Smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> We're gonna need a bigger boat. How do you play Jaws? Apparently it's just that. You just sit in the closet and pretend that the shark is coming at you, but the, you you giggle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wasn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, are they just sitting there face to face saying lines at each other? Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone in this is a robot. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a small space. Yeah. <laughs> They're both sitting in the fetal position because that's apparently the only way you can fit in that closet. And they're just going, we're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to need a bigger closet. (laughs) Uh, It's weird. Weird game. I I did a lot of like pretending we're in movies with my friends. It didn't usually take the form of literally just repeating the lines from the movie (laughs) at each other, though. For Dawson, that is playing. If you really think about it, he doesn't have an imagination because his monster movie is just a ripoff of other movies. All all the line, like his line of thinking is based on films. So he doesn't have an imagination. He doesn't have a conscience. I, I actually kind of think that Dawson is a cyborg. (laughs) I think that he has been uploaded like into his, into his hard drive. He has every Steven Spielberg screenplay that exists uploaded in there. That's why he loves Spielberg so much. And he also has a bunch of like cult horror films. And and that's why he is so inhuman is because he literally is not a human. He is just a computer with skin on him. Well, should we move into our ratings? Is, are we done talking about the episode? Yes, please. <laughs> Get me out of here. All right. Who wants to go first with their rating? I give it a 10 out of 5. Wow. Absolutely loved this. Uh, loved all of it. I loved I loved finding out more about PC's life, his family. Um, loved seeing all the characters interact together. 
And yeah, I feel like we're just like moving right along. Moving right Move along. along. <laughs> <laughs> Muppets, yeah. hit us up. Uh, I completely and totally agree. This is my favorite episode so far. Uh, this is everything that I have been asking for from this show is actually seeing our characters interact in more than just the pairs that they exist in. And we finally got it. Um, I also got plenty of confirmation that vampires exist in this world. Mm. Uh, I would say if I were to dock anything from this episode, it was the fact that there was so little music. There was very little that tied this to the 90s and the 90s nostalgia. So if I had to dock it anything, I would give it a, a half point reduction um, for that. But I think that that still nets a nine and a half out of five. So <laughs> I'm going to give it my first five. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Five out of five. Um, I also enjoyed this. Like Stella said, it was interesting to see uh, interactions with, between different characters. Um, I'm curious what uh, is going to happen between Mr. and Mrs. Leary. Um, and will the kelp become a thing? Yeah, that, <laughs> will, <laughs> that is the question. Yeah. Like, it, will, we, will we see the kelp come to fruition? It almost feels like he's about to give up on it. I think so. Um, also curious if uh, Doug will continue to be a character and what's going to happen with him. And I'm really curious if Bodie and Bessie are going to circumcise their baby. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, okay. <laughs> My enjoyment, if we're just talking about that, five out of five. Uh, as an episode of television, this gets like a one, <laughs> uh, 1.5. Uh, the only reason it gets any kind of rating at all, I would say, is because Dawson has some sort of self-actualization. As shallow as that may be and how it still is like focusing on the way that he is interacting with his world instead of him actually you know, accepting things and learning from them, it, at least he is now apologizing for making people feel bad, which is a good first step. But uh, yeah, this feels like a script that was written in an hour and... Uh, everything is just it's yeah it's just like a first draft script uh characters don't make any sense the things that we've learned about people kind of fall to the wayside um things that i thought that would make much more of an impact like mitch and gail's relationships it no longer matters uh yeah garbage stuff i agree it's it's a it's not a good episode i don't think by any means despite how much i love it they're like we pointed out, it's just full of lazy storytelling. Yeah. Um, I'm hate watching it, but I, I hate love it. Did did you say that you choose hate? <laughs> Would you say that you choose hate? I choose hate. I choose to hate you now. Is that, is that Dawson, what you're telling Dawson's, Dawson's Creek? Dawson's Creek, I choose to hate you now. I, <laughs> I mean, like I said, like this show is written by idiots. The, the, the pilot and like Kevin, like I was so excited because I love Scream and I was like, Kevin Williamson is so brilliant. He knows yeah. everything about everything. And like, he's so good with kids. He's not, he's not good at characters. These characters do not make sense. Uh, <laughs> nothing is following through. You're, did they even have a whiteboard or post-it notes when they're writing out who these characters are and where they're going to end up? It almost feels like each episode, it's like a fresh new blank slate. Like, hey, so what do you want to do today? I don't know. Let's see what happens. All right. It's like, let's throw in this characteristic 
for this, yeah. this totally. person. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that it's the late nineties. So like people were casually racist or whatever, but just the fact that that entire thread is just goes nowhere. And then right. we never see, we also never get an ending to Bodie and Bessie. Just like what, what are they doing after the storm ended? Like mm-hmm. what, why? Like well, it's you know huge questions, right? They get in their paddle boat. They row their ass down the creek. And her water breaks. And uh, she has a baby on a boat. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Yeah, well, I'm sorry that you didn't appreciate this episode like the true film appreciation society, which is Stella, Mallory, and I. But the thing still is, is that I enjoyed this episode more than any other episode. And if if the rest of this series continues in this trajectory, this might end up being my favorite show of all time because it's it's written by aliens. (laughs) It's filmed by aliens. It's acted by aliens. Michelle Williams, like if you ask her right now, like, hey, what was life like on Dawson's Creek? She'd be like, I was abducted by aliens and they forced (laughs) me to do this. Well, I mean, I can't think of a better segue into our recommendations than that. So should we move on to our recommendations? (laughs) Yeah. Does anybody want to go first? I'll go first. Oh, okay. I'm going to recommend bird watching. Wow. Backyard bird watching. It's the season. It's a very easy. Yeah, it's the season. It's springtime. You can get yourself a pair of pocket binoculars and just step out your backyard and watch some birds. Look at them. And don't forget to listen to them listen as well. Listen to them too. They're not just pretty. It's, it's just a nice hobby. Nice and relaxing. You know, you can take 10 minutes to walk around the block and look at some birds. I'll go next. Um, I have an amendment to my last recommendation as well as a recommendation, a current recommendation. So last week I recommended the band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, specifically um, a couple albums. Well, f- immediately following uh, the recording of that episode, they went and released a brand new record. It's, it's called Omnium Gatherum. And I actually uh, went back after the release of that and listened to their entire 20 album discography and um, I, I honestly probably should just start a whole nother podcast just to talk about King Gizzard lore. But let me just say that Omnium Gatherum is probably the newest, best starting point for getting into King Gizzard. It represents all of their different uh, genre explorations, storytelling styles, songwriting styles. There's literally a song for every single audience. So First recommendation, go find Omnium Gatherum and take a listen to it. Now, for my real recommendation for this week, it is uh, my very, very favorite improv troupe as well as podcast group. They are called Big Grande. They recently released a really cool project called Live On Set where they recorded four different improv shows where all of the, the improv actors got hair and makeup Uh, They had four different sets as if it were a play, except none of them know what the play is about. None of them know anything about what they're doing until the moment they open their eyes live on stage and see all of their other actors (laughs) in costume on set for the first time in front of a live audience. And then they improvise a story and uh, you can find the first episode of this on YouTube. It's free. Um, it is hilarious. The premise is that they are shooting a 20, a movie in the twenties. Um, and they, uh, are improvising this noir film together for the first time while also all discovering that they're half of them are in black and white makeup and half of them are in twenties attire. (laughs) And, uh, it's hilarious. It's honestly one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. So big grande live on set, go check it out. It's hilarious. 
I'll recommend Hacks. Um, came out a while ago, but the second season is about to drop, I think, in a couple weeks. It's May 1st right now. Um, yeah, it's on HBO Max. It's a great show about female comedians. One is, like, kind of at the tail end of her career, and one is more in the beginning of her career, and they are very different, and they're forced to work together. Um, and it is extremely funny um and also very heartfelt and sweet and yeah i i loved it and i'm very excited for it to return my recommendation this week is a food topping called kari kari <laughs> it's uh super crunchy and garlicky spicy kind of mixed stuff uh some good friends of ours gave me a jar for my birthday and it has changed my life uh the website description is kari kari is a crispy garlic loaded umami bomb of a chili crisp. Imagine the biggest and crispiest pieces of garlic, shallots, peanuts, and more with layers of flavor in a rich and balanced chili oil. It's great on everything. Pizza, ramen, mac and cheese, chicken and rice, anything and everything. And uh, it's cool. It's made by a couple in their apartment in Seattle. So it's a super small Pacific Northwest business. You can order jars directly from their website or use their store locator to see if it's near you. And you can find them on Instagram at eat Kari Kari. Kari Kari is spelled K-A-R-I. We need to send some to Gramps. <laughs> no, no. It's so good. You, they Sounds ha- super tasty. What about the next app? Ep? Next episode, season one, episode six, it is titled Baby, which is hmm. not a reference to the Justin Bieber song. Boo. Um, here is the description straight out of Netflix. It says, as word of Pacey's affair with Tamara gets excuse me, Tamara gets out. (laughs) Bessie must seek help. And who does she seek help from? Grams. So she seeks help from Grams to deliver her baby. What an episode. I'm really looking forward to it. I think that if anything we've learned uh, of this show so far, it is only going to get crazier and crazier as we go. Well, um, Thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through the turbulent waters of Dawson's Creek. If you want more Creeks content, you can find us online at Freaks and Creeks Pod and feel free to get in touch with us at freaksandcreeks at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast. I choose to love you. Love you.